0: how's it going y'all this is jay uh, with all your things are gone Uh, this is episode four yeah Uh, this is uh, trevor smith and uh, trevor and i don't know each other that well but i know his name and i'm sure you all do as well Uh, he's been he played with a bunch of my friends that i've known forever so I know him indirectly, never spent much time with him, but we had a great time talking, uh, and he's very exuberant about this whole scene that I wanted to talk about. He was a huge part of all of it, and he still is a huge part of it, and and also takes a lot of time out of his own uh, day and life to perpetuate it in a lot of ways. He has many archives, any band that you want to talk about from this era that uh, you want to know about, He's the guy to go to, and uh, everyone I know wanted me to talk to him. Told me to talk to him, and it was a great time. It's a long one, and we had a lot to say. He had a lot to say, so hope you enjoy it. This is all your things are gone. A lot of brick of tapes like uh, five years ago, and it cost me like twenty dollars. Yeah, for right. for six tapes. Yeah, when you could, when you could go into Newberry and buy a brick of twenty for thirteen eighty eight. Is your time frame right though I well, yeah, I guess I was probably around the end of them selling tapes because yeah. they don't I mean they don't exist anymore. they barely sell cdRs anymore they're trying to undo that uh that format <laughs> well, I think it's it's been undone by many things but it's already starting to have this like This horrible cyclical thing, yeah, Yeah, where like, now it's cool to have CDs again, because it's like, it's so retro, dude, it's so (laughs) 90s, have you seen my high-waisted mom jeans? There's nothing retro about CDs, except that they just take up space. (laughs) Yeah, but records take up space too, man. Yeah, but... Bonnie tried to convince me to, like, she's like, put all your records, put all your CDs into those booklets... I did that. Fuck that, dude. You lose all the liner notes. That's, like, all that I want. Even if it's 5x5 five five <laughs> artwork, I still fucking want I that. I saved a lot of them, but some of them I was just like... Well, also, because of the fire, Yeah. a lot of the yeah. CDs got fucked. Definitely. So, like, the CDs still played, but most of the artwork, you open the case, and, and like, it would just... The booklet would tear apart because it was all stuck together. Yeah. No, that sucks. I, so, yeah, in that instance, you just gotta... Yeah, I had to move on. I mean, I saved some shit that wasn't that I thought might be worth a little bit of money that I could but even like you look on eBay see, nobody no. nobody wants this shit no no even some things that's like only came out on CD because there was right. that period of time like weird like late 90s or early 2000s like like reissue psych CDs like yeah you know a band like Budgie or something like that like yeah band, a band that made or a band that made like one record of course yeah it was, it was, <laughs> right on. we used to have the space right next to that band Oh, across no. the street Yeah and it, w- and it was like Fucking like Diecast-esque the- Bullshit <laughs> Yeah Bacterial Husk Is the name of the band I went oh, to high really? school Yeah I went to high school With the guitar player in that band It's so weird that This is the second Recording facility That we Or a practice space That we've been in Not neighbors But been in Oh really Yeah Cause it was in the Sound Museum In South Boston That's Oh yeah awesome. that's <laughs> <laughs> It's perfect Oh it's no, you of, gotta have that. It's it's background music, yeah. Yeah, so it that's all. <laughs> oh god, Trevor's theme. Yup, yeah. Bacterial Husk. They're playing with a band called Corpse, Corps. <laughs> Who's also at that South Boston Sound Museum. That's where the that dropkick up I know. Bore Corpse? Yeah. Yeah, both of them. <laughs> no, that's where Dropkick Murphys used to practice. Yeah. Like I yeah, when I played in Piles, that's where we practiced. The South Boston Sound Museum. So when did Piles start? Piles, so, it started, we started as a band called Piles in 2003, but, like, Chris and I had played together, uh, so one of the things, seeing in our reviewing, we got, like, pretty Ouroboros by the end, uh, we started as the Pimento Groove. Which terrible. Well, (laughs) it was the name of a restaurant in The Simpsons. Okay. We misread it. It was the Pimento Grove, but we were like, yeah, the Pimento Grove. That'd be a cool band name. Like 1996 (laughs) or seven. Yeah. How old were you then? 15. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're like a year into playing guitar at that point. Chris is like two years. He's a year older than me. And uh, yeah, we just started like making tapes. It was like Sebado and Nirvana was our shit. So we're just trying to make like Sebado tapes. Yeah, on a, yeah. On a four track, but we were the Pimento Groove, and we went through as the Pimento Groove. We were just like a two piece recording band, like almost like fuck playing shows because we could never get booked, <laughs> right? But it was like, yeah, we're we're just we like a reco- we're a recording band, like we can do more on a tape than you know yeah. whatever. I don't we're a studio project. Well, and it started too where yeah. like I would just play the drums because we needed a drummer, but it was we would do like the Barlow Lowenstein thing of like. Chris would have songs and I'd play bass on it and then I would have songs and he'd play bass on it. Like 703 style. Yeah, style, like. yeah. But then like I would just be the default drummer. His girlfriend had a drum set and so I had access to drums and I was just like sure I can figure it out. Like I'd been pl- I had been playing drums on books and pillows to In Utero in and injustice Justice for All sure. for like two years and I was ready. <laughs> I was ready for a real drum yeah. set. So yeah, that and a four track and Bouncing tracks. What kind and of four track did you have? It started with yeah, a ta- port o- Tascam yeah, Porto Two. Okay. Like the yeah, a better one than what they reissued in like early two thousands. Because I bought one of those and it was like whatever. I- well, whatever were the, the the preamps or whatever in it are not as good. Yeah. As well as it was just like a cheaper thing. But we got that and then um, then I got my Tascam Four Eighty Eight Mach Two cassette eight track, and that like really opened the whole thing up for us. We did a lot with a four track for a while, but. Yeah, the eight-track was really like what opened up our sound, and I could have like stereo drums, and you know I'd run them into a mixer, but it's like they were finished tracks. stereo, yeah. yeah, and then have six other tracks to fuck with, and it's so good. Um, I remember when I got the, my first four-track that I got was a Yamaha. Yeah. And, and it was the first machine that you could run all four tracks at the same time. Sweet. And I was so fucking pumped. That's the best. Yeah. Cuz then you're you're in a four piece you're like I can record a whole band now. Yeah, four tracks. Yep. Which, if you think about it, like the first 3 Led Zeppelin records are all four yeah. track. Yeah. Right. You know. So It's fucking awesome. Right. It's so good. Yeah. And that's what I mean, that's what I did graduate to. But the 8 track allowed me four tracks at a time too, which was pretty good. Yeah. Um So and you were doing like piecemeal stuff, like if you were doing like kind of Sebado style stuff. Like yeah. You weren't playing at the same time generally anyway, right? Um no we would do like guitar and drums together and yeah. then add and then like I and then it would become that I just became the default bass player. But it was like Chris and i had have so much fun writing guitar. Like he would write chunky guitars and then I would write you know, like fancy bass lines over it. It's the whole like it is the Nirvana and Sebado thing of just like straight guitar, like boring dum dumb guitar and then like hooky bass lines and then The Nirvana thing is the thundering drums, like, Mm -hmm. and that's what I just, I mean, that's my style of writing music, I've realized, in these last batch of songs that I wrote myself, I was like, I'm still doing exactly the same same thing, thing. like, Like, the guitar is so fucking dumb in rhythm, (laughs) like, when I tried playing, I played guitar in a band for a couple of years and sang, and it was, I was the bass, huh? What was that? Archelon, or Archelon, is the way, is the way it's spelled, but Archelon, it was a prehistoric sea turtle is the name of it or what it is named for but it I was I like Pimento Group better the, <laughs> <laughs> no the, the Archelon was at, after Piles the first time that we were like really stopped playing and I was like fuck I'm gonna do my Foo Fighters thing now like now I'm gonna <laughs> be Dave Grohl you stepped be the, like Dave Grohl he just stepped yeah. up when you're like alright which was totally Get rid of that guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. I'll be fine. No, and it was totally the first time that I learned the hard lesson of like, it doesn't matter how much you have going with Piles as far as the scene or cred or any of that shit goes because you're a brand new band and you don't mean shit to us. I'm like, but I'm Trevor from Piles. They're like, great, we'll book Piles, and it's like, no, 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 this is my new band. I play guitar, and they're like, I've a lot more clout than you think you do. Right? No, I've always thought I had more <laughs> clout than I do. Really? Oh no, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> Pretty delusional. I don't know. I feel, I feel like Matt and Dennis in Brand Lasers. Brand your, your Lasers. Other, your other, the blues band there. Yeah. Uh, they always credit you with, like, getting shows because you have, everyone knows your name. Well, I don't know. Just if like everyone, the song says. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except, well, maybe you might <laughs> No, I think that's right. It's actually right. <laughs> right. But so, yeah, so the thing with Piles, though... So we kept going or whatever, and it was it was when we like made an active decision, like through, yeah, two thousand and two. I graduated high school in uh, two thousand. Chris graduated in ninety nine. So we were like, our plan was we're gonna move Marshfield, Kingston, Kingston. Yeah. So south south. So Plymouth. sure, south, south of Plymouth or a little north of Plymouth, but yeah. most of the way down there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then Chris, yeah, so. Chris started going to to UMass Boston, and I was like, I'm gonna graduate high school, and we're gonna move in together and just be a band full time, and that didn't happen because of girlfriends and mm-hmm. college. Still, like, I tried a year and a half of community college and was like, this is not it for me, man. I'm not. I really fucking hate it. I get like antsy thinking about having to take a test or study. I still for have a nightmares. Like, I still have nightmares about. Showing up to uh, take a test, and I, I show up at the end of the period, and they have, like, five minutes to take the test. Or I, or I haven't been to class yeah. all year. Uh, yeah. All semester, I'm like, fuck! I forgot to go to biology. <laughs> the, the whole <laughs> whatever, whatever time. the fuck it is. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I... But anyways, it was, um... <laughs> why did... Why did it all stop? Because it was with Chris's brother, Jordan, who plays in spelling, currently. Okay. Played in NASI... Another oh, band Nancy. of. holy shit. Yeah. What about them? That's Chris's brother, yeah. And Nassie was like what came out of the wreckage of Male Blood, which oh. was this prog metal band that me and Jordan and Jeff King and another guy, Dana, Jordan played in. From, that... Jordan Hisslop, Chris's brother. Yeah, right, right, okay. uh, From Spelling and Nassie. Like, he's the guitar guy from that, and he's done that all the way through. He's also a fucking sick drummer. Because mm-hmm. he was another thing during the whole thing. I guess this this goes back when during the Pimento Groove, in keeping with the Simpsons theme. Sure. Uh, Jordan and I. So Chris is a year older than me. Jordan, his brother, is four years younger than me. Um, so I'm 15. Jordan's 11. Six, you know, so on. And not, I mean, gosh, I was 17 probably when we started playing together in Smarch, which was <laughs> just another good Simpsons Sorry. lousy Smarch weather. Uh And it was two-piece, guitar and drums, and he loved the Wicked Farleys, and he loved the Smashing Pumpkins, and, like, that's what was guiding him. And he was just the type of person that sat there for, like, four hours every night just playing guitar, and it's like, got so good so fast, but, like, he just kept playing. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I would play for 25 minutes, be like, my fingers hurt, fuck this, I'm done. (laughs) Like, I'm gonna go look at comic books or (laughs) do anything else, and he just keeps fucking playing, so... We had those bands going Smarch in the Pimento Groove, and then it was like, let's let's combine forces. And it was again watching The Simpsons, and being a big Mark for Nirvana, it makes me like programmed to hate Courtney Love. Sure. And I'll spare you my conspiracy theories on all the business, (laughs) but I just don't like Courtney Love very much. I don't don't appreciate her. Many people do, right? No, even even Billy Corgan, who's also a sociopath, doesn't, I know. doesn't like her. <laughs> so I think it's on and off. I mean, he wrote that record for her. Oh God, they're yeah. real fucking trash. Um. Yeah. So they. So Bart says at one point, the only natural enemy of a hole is a pile. Okay. And we're yeah. like piles. That'd be a good band name. And that was it. And we we're like, that's our new band name. We're call ourselves Piles. Like but I like that you guys came together. That's interesting, that doesn't happen that often. With Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. and it was like Jordan was over. Yeah, and so this whole through this whole time of being the pimento groove and everything, the bands we were going to see, like, so I turned 18 in 2000, so now I could go to the Middle East. Like, I had gotten a fake ID and gotten threatened to be arrested trying to get into an Elliott Smith show at the Middle East, like, three months before I was 18. Made fake IDs, went to and go they, see him upstairs. Yeah. And they took my card and was like, stay right here, we're gonna call the cops on you. I'm telling you, in fucking 90, in 2000, March Jesus of 2000 Christ. Oh, yeah, it was a bit much. I mean, the I Middle was, East. I was going to like TT's in the Middle East getting in with like, oh, I forgot my ID at home. They go, okay, you just can't drink. And those were like 18, 21 plus shows. Yeah, yeah. Na- then somewhere around like 98, they were like, we're not doing this anymore. I mean, by that time I was 18. Yeah. But, you know. See, so you fucked it over for me, man. Ugh. Great. Well, anyway, yeah, it's so, over. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yep. So, yeah, we, uh, oh, what the hell was I just getting at about? Oh, they, they, we were, like, seeing Helms be a new, brand new band. That's like, amazing. Helms only had T-shirts, yeah. and they were playing with Victory at Sea all the time, and Finney was the drummer in Victory at Sea, so that was so my was whole just... thing. 2000, like, 90, yeah, yeah, 2000. It was before they put out the split, which pr- I believe just predates the swimmer the Helms album Mm -hmm. um, that was only on CD. For example, that one's only on CD. I looked to find. They only put out their last one on vinyl and was like, so I have to have those two on CD. I have to keep those CDs like we were talking about. But so we're seeing them... And I remember seeing Finney was, like, the most amazing drummer for me when I saw him. I was convinced he was from Chicago. I was just like, this dude is so fucking like, amazing. Like, come to find out he's from Nantucket or from Osterville and moved to Nantucket yeah. or whatever. And... I see you guys, I can see you guys are similar, have similar... I mean, he kind of, like, helped shape me. Yeah. I, he was an early person before I, like, could play the drums mm-hmm. uh, that I watched a lot and was like, holy fuck, man, this is awesome. So, like, we would give the Pimento Groove CDs and shit to Helms and Victory at Sea, and I remember, yeah, like, Mona liked some of it, and uh, Finny one time, like, yelling, I forget who was playing, somebody was playing, and they had, like, either the song stopped Or it was over, or there was a dip in the middle, but he was was yelling to me, I really like your country song on there! (laughs) And it was like, the music all dropped, and it was just Finney screaming this at me, and it was like an incredible moment for me, because, I mean, that's back when you could smoke cigarettes up there. Like, it was the whole fucking thing. Yeah. I did get to play... At the Middle East, with a beer and a cigarette, like just before the whole thing ended, which was always a dream of mine from the time that I saw it happening. It was just like, holy fuck, man! Like that's everybody so cool. chainsmoke Everyone just dude. Even if you didn't smoke, you Oh sure, yeah. You were just it's breathing so that gross. shit out. It was nasty. It's so gross. Like I can't believe how not long ago that is, and how forever and archaic it seems. It does. It's yeah. horrible. And I. I... We all, we often talk about on this thing, I, or often is often have done it just only five times. Um, constantly, <laughs> we're constantly talking about this shit. Uh, that people don't want to go see live music anymore, and I really do think it, partially it becomes the thing of where you're comfortable, and then yeah, people, people can rip cigarettes at home on their pe- porch or and drink as many beers as they want, get drunk for you know yeah. quarter of the money and then yeah. pass out yeah, whereas I. When when I was going to shows, you could go, you could have beers and smoke as many cigarettes as you wanted. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. And I mean, I just, yeah. And I remember the floor was just littered with butts Ugh. inside, Jeez. inside a fucking building, just butts everywhere. It's Especially disgusting. on like the sold out shows, though. Yeah. Like it was, it would be the worst. I remember I saw both of the Wicked Farleys' last show ever. Like, they did, this is our last show ever, and then they did the, for that? real, this is our last show ever. They were both upstairs. Damn. It was fucking, pat- it was the most, I mean, it was, it was that, like, great white Providence nightclub type of fucking, oh, man. I mean, thinking back on it, like, we all could have died. Jordan got snuck into that one, too. Jordan was 15 or 16, I don't even think he, was, I think he was 14. Because we snuck him into that show, and it was just like. He had made, like, early internet time communicado with Broder and everything, and Broder was just, like, I'm pretty sure was Broder just got him in. He was like, cool. no, just tell this kid he, yeah. So he was there, and it was, yeah, it was rad, but it was just super fucking packed, yeah. And I remember, like, we would do, still in those days, do the thing where, like, I would straggle so I could be like, hey, what's up, Ken Bernard? Like, you're a fucking sick drummer, man. And he's like, I'm just trying to put my drums away. Like, stop yeah. talking to me, it's young like, kid. I don't really care what this band did. No, also, this is our last show, so thanks. Yeah. I don't give a shit. like, huh, so what are you going to do next? And like, uh, ugh, stop talking to me. Go to, go me. to school, like, do something yeah. Yeah. more profitable. I've never been short on enthusiasm. Embarrassing levels of enthusiasm no, you? for bands. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. But It's good, though, because I, I think, uh, again... As uh, far as like, Matt and Dennis, so yeah, that you have recognizable name, or people know who you are. Also, even on this podcast, people have said that you got to talk to Trevor. Oh, yeah. He's an archivist. Yeah, he has everything, dude. I ever I, ever want to find. So that's what this. That's what this thing is. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I got that Challenger record mixed, and I couldn't fucking go to. I was you supposed got it mixed. I'm the reason that thing happened. I called really? them up. Yeah. Who? I called them out. Uh, who, I, I, I made reference to that I was listening to the five songs of it that I had. That the recording that exists is not the recording that I have. The recording that I have is different versions, different recording. Way fucking better, honestly. Like, I like... And it sounds dumpy. It sounds like you recorded a cassette it said, with it was a fucking... Like it, it definitely was something like a cassette or a four-track. Yeah, yeah. But it's fucking awesome. I don't know, but I get really attached to things being what they are exactly as they are, and yeah. so I hate fucking, I hate change. I hate when Matt changed the guitar parts. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's a mutant version of the a guitar part, and now you're making it into, like, it's different. It's now not it doesn't a thing, sound no. like it. Yeah. yeah no, I, I get that. But, anyway, yeah, it was I tagged I th- I tagged, like, all of them on Facebook. It was like, Paul and Keith, and I was like, yeah, I got this from Matt, and Keith recorded it, and all this shit, and it just got Scott being like, ah, shit, we should do that and then uh yeah and then they booked the day and matt ended up going with dan yeah paul played guitar and sang and scott played bass and dan played drums and keith souza recorded it and then matt went along with them and i was supposed to go along but i had to go to a wedding and that was the wedding yeah when Uh. the first thing we went to do when bonnie was pregnant that we still weren't telling people that bonnie was pregnant so it was like a whole thing like fuck i can't blow this thing off (laughs) To go to this, like, dream moment for me, though, to go, like, hang out with these five fucking idiots. Like, I've never met Keith Souza before, but he's yeah. recorded so many fucking important things to me. Mm-hmm. Like, so many. The fucking, the old Lynx recordings that he made are way better to me than Bob Weston's. Dale talked about that. About- yeah, with Keith? Yeah, with Keith, yeah. It's fun- I mean, and he recorded the Day Go By and the Robots and records. Like, those shits are fucking awesome. The Robots record's fucking awesome. The blue one, the blue and white one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... I don't, I mean, I know I have that record, but I don't know it. I remember Jetpack with yeah, the, yeah, with Keith in it. That's I have, and I'm sure he recorded it. I don't. Yes, I don't, yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember that record. That's sweet. Investigator Man. Yeah, that's a. It's a really good sounding record. It's a good too. record I mean, yeah. it's very clean compared to like a lot of stuff from that era. I think. It's yeah. Very, well, like, I feel like all three of those. I mean, even down to the mastering. But the the best songs on the Robots record are the last three, and that was like an old old session that they kind of tacked on at the end of, forget how many songs were on the thing, 13, maybe. It's really good, I mean, I became mildly obsessed with it after Nathan and I started playing together, um, because we had our band Motor Car, me and Nathan Moore, and and Eric Catalano was a part of that, which is like a whole other... (laughs) Whole other thing, but the archivist thing, <laughs> yeah. I missed the recording uh, or the mastering of Challenger, and I don't know that I would have gotten to weigh in any differently. I probably would have been too like fucking starstruck you by everybody. Be like, this is so much fun <laughs> for me, guys. I love all of you so much. Uh, because I was do- very much like that before I lived with Scott and Dale. I bet soon the, the, the minute I walked in on Dale, and we, and we talked about this in the last podcast. And, you know, he was. I think he had just moved back from Chicago. Yeah. After Lynx, like, kind of imploded. And we, we, we talk about this in the podcast. I don't yeah. want to rehash it all. But uh, Kevin Micah was living at the Watertown house. Okay. Which, which I don't think you ever. Went I never to. went to, no. But, but it, I know all about it. It's on Elm Street next to Target and Watertown. Okay. And now there's a big metal building there because it obviously burned down, down. Um, which was perfect. By the way, that it burnt down uh, but I walk. I kept like I'm moving out if, if you want a place to live, come over and look at the place so like I, I went over there at like two o'clock on a Monday and Dale was in the living room just ripping cigarettes and drink drinking mm-hmm. at like two o'clock on a Monday in the afternoon and all those like Ideas and like all high, you know, holding mm-hmm. these people in high regard just fucking fell yeah to the ground like yeah wow <laughs> all right yeah yeah I mean wow, well, I mean yeah. I still like I still think they're f- hugely talented and they're part of the reason why I wanted to do this thing because mm-hmm. I was you know so blown away by them and in, in the bands that they were in but you it, your your heroes quickly disappear yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, it didn't take long of me knowing Dale before I was like, I never saw you playing Lynx, so I don't have any, like, that sort of lens, mm-hmm. like, you're just kind of an asshole. Oh yeah. You know, which is fine, like, I do like Dale, but he's, and definitely when I first met him, he still was, like, drinking pretty hard, mm-hmm. so now, yeah. I've known both versions of Dale yeah. a little bit, less the sober version, because I haven't been up to Maine, because, you know, being a dad mm-hmm. makes it lazier. <laughs> it truly but but dale was also i mean to his credit after my mom died he reached out to me out of the blue and was just like basically not even any words of like condolence or anything he's like it's gonna keep sucking for a while hang in there like that's all i was like that's really nice you didn't have to do that i appreciate it because it was real he's i mean if nothing dale's very real he's very honest he's honest i mean to a fault yes so it's fine Dale's fine. <laughs> I met him. Yeah, we played during Qualms when he played in Qualms with and Nathan Cowling. this, this was Piles time? Yeah, right. it, was, it was like the beginning, the true beginning of the end of Piles. Um, How would that come about? Why, why was that happening? Because... I mean, did you guys ever go on tour? Or? No, and that was like the thing. That was one of the things about it. It was like, that was one of the only things we had left to accomplish. We'd played the Middle East. Like, the Middle East was playing the, yeah, playing the Boston Garden or whatever for us. That's all we wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. And when we played downstairs, it was because Chris rented downstairs for, like, you know, if you give if you pay them money and then you just try to make the money back, yeah. but he paid them however much, 1200 bucks, for us to use downstairs, and that was the Dagobah reunion show in 2006. Oh, shit. Chris facilitated going down from the card was Dagobah... I won't even remember. Dagobah, Helms, Helms certainly, sir. And, um, nope, Common Cold, mm. we got Common Cold to play, and then Nassie and Piles. And I believe we were, Nassie was first and we were second. Totally forgot. We were second band on a six band bill, and Dan made a sick fucking poster for the, it. The poster of the ship? Yep. That was a cool one, yeah. Yep. That's fucking awesome. That Dagobah record is really, really awesome. It's really, really fucking good. The EP is good, too, but, uh, I've, that re- that record was probably what got me into, with the exception of like uh, Don Cab. Yeah, was like one of those records that that's why I wanted to play that type of music or that rules. Yeah, you know that was the record. Yeah, because I think I, I heard it. I was working at DJM uh, in framing at Framingham State, and they got a promo copy of it. And that's sweet. I didn't know what it was. It was so, the co- the cover is like so nondescript. Yeah, like, I know. It's like, Terrible cover. Pretty like much. Like this blurry picture with two green, like... Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I played it, and I, I ended up playing the whole record that, that show. Really? I just put it on and let it play. Yeah. I was like, I, was like, I don't know <laughs> what this sick, thing is, but it's rad. That's sick. It's really good. It is really... Yeah, I mean, Keith Keith Souza, he he did a lot of really, really good of records. That, it's yeah. amazing, too, like how young those dudes are and how pretty sophisticated that... I mean, I'm looking, listening back on all of our shit, all of the shit that I've, you know, did for 20 years or whatever, making music, and I'm like, my goodness, I've really gotten... I don't know, just whatever I thought was incredible at the time when we did it, I'm hearing it, and I'm like, not that it's pedestrian-sounding or anything, but it's not as, like, groundbreaking now as it was then. And I don't even know if it's the content... I mean, it probably is that I've listened to... 20 years worth of more music now since then, but... Well, you grow, right? I would hope. Yeah. Everyone well, does. Ideally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, you should, you know, move ahead and hopefully... But a lot of people don't, you know, so... But people some get stu- stuck. yeah. But you say you hate change. Oh, Which yeah, I think, I think you know, I think everyone does to a sense. It's just a matter of how much you embrace it or you don't. Yeah. Well, some of the... some or fight of, it, I guess. Some, yeah. We have did... Piles made a record with Kevin Micah, too, that we've was called, I mean, it's a record, it was five songs, mm-hmm. but it, we called it the Pimento Groove. It was, yeah, and the first thing that we made was like our mantra for a show. Every time we, yep, this happens. Oh yeah, the light. Yeah. Fucking awesome. thing. Um, it's our mantra that I've even carried over, I mean, uh, because of how stupid it sounds, I'm pretty sure I get full credit for coming up with this one. But that our show, our set, would be six sick songs. Like, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to accomplish. It's, seven is too many. Five isn't enough. You don't need to play for fucking ever. Play for a half hour. Do six sick songs. Done. And it's like six, six, six. <laughs> There's all kinds of different... <laughs> so the first pile's recording is six six songs. The second one is the pimento groove that we did with Kevin that was... Like, just so exhausted. Is that in Roxbury? Did you do that? The small church. Oh, yeah. We were one of the last bands that got to record in there, yeah. Damn. We recorded there. I think we recorded there with him, and then he did Helms there, and then that. Or he had done Helms before us, and then us. The second second Helms record? No, The Secret Door is the last last one. one. Yeah. So. I like to think of those as like sister albums because sure <laughs> recorded by the same have you guy. You told Dan or anyone? Oh, like sure. Yeah, yeah. But like, have you ever listened to the Pimento Groove? It's basically the same thing. Plus, it, 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 you know, that is what we were called when we were like giving them CDRs and yeah. being like, I drew this cover for you, Tina. And she's like, cool. All thanks. right. Yeah. Yeah, Dan did that yesterday. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> looks a little nicer. <laughs> I know. Oh, man, you're, um,. Your record that you have, Unidentified? Identified. Identified. Yeah. sorry, yeah. Okay. That album, that art that you used is the one that another band that Nathan Moore and I had called Stonerbrook, one of his classic uh, <laughs> a- band names. Yeah. But Stonerbrook, it was fucking awesome. We had to, a, a new guy, like a new drummer playing drums for us, Andy Eddy, who came up with me and Jordan and Chris and all those people, but he's like younger. Mm-hmm. He's playing these really, like, kind of Neanderthal drums, but, like, with technical flourishes in it. It's really weird. But then Nathan playing guitar me playing bass, which is my natural element for a stringed instrument. Bass. Yeah, for sure. Like, the drums is the thing I can sit down and just play all the time, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the bass is the thing I have the most fun playing. Guitar is, like, a fucking wreck for me. Like, I just want to play. Guitar's are stupid. It is pretty (laughs) stupid. Especially that I've been in a band with Matt Doyle for five years now, and I'm just, like... It's bleeding into me that I wanna play remotely like him, but it's fucking then you, impossible. Then you, then you sit down and you're like, How the fuck does he do all that? <laughs> and everybody at home is just like, You're the worst, man. Stop playing guitar. Like <laughs> your, daughter, her, your daughter's like, yeah. Dad,
1: fuck you. Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> like, no more Zeppelin, Daddy. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, that's fine, it's fine. But I hey, live with Matt Doyle for however the fucking long I live with him. Yeah. You're gonna hear, you know whole lot of love, just come out of nowhere, he's like, he's like, and then, you know, you're like, then it just goes, yep. and that's my impression of him doing an impression of himself playing guitar. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Yeah. I'm in a band with him. That's yeah. what he sounds like, mm-hmm. doing an impression of himself. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, all right, so, yeah, jumping all around, though. The, that's the, right. The, the bit with Piles, the, the sort of end with it was... And it was about the touring thing. It was. Uh, you wanted to tour, and everyone else was like, Fuck, Well, I got. No, we had gotten. We had like built up our head of steam or whatever, and we were whatever we were. Like, we could book at Great Scott easily, and, you know, we were to that level of a, ba- a Boston I, band. I saw you at Great Scott once. And our bass player, who was. Now, Chris, Mike, and I, Chris Hislop, Mike Doherty was our bass player, and myself, we all went to the same high school. Uh, Mike and I were in the same grade, like, we graduated together, so he was a dude, he was also left-handed, Chris was a left-handed guitar player, Mike was a left-handed guitar player, and he's like an ACDC Metallica guitar player, and that's what he plays, and that's how he plays, and he learns songs, he doesn't write songs, but he learns songs, he's fucking really good. Mm -hmm. He would come up with some shit, but not songs, he'd come up with riffs, but like, you know, so, I was like, it would be awesome if we had two left-handed, lefty guitar player and bass player, and I was, like, taught Mike how to play our song Submariner. I was like, just, you know, know how to play this, whatever. So, when Chris and I first started playing as Piles, um, what had happened with, we came up with the band name Piles. This is, yeah, we're really jumping around. Okay. <laughs> the We came up with the band name Piles, and Chris's girlfriend, who is now his wife, had gone to school abroad in Brighton, England, for you know, six months. Mm -hmm. And halfway through that, Chris was just like, lovesick, and also was like, this is a great opportunity for me to go just live in England for three months. Like, he hadn't, there was literally no reason other than that we just decided that our band is called Piles, and now Jordan, baby brother Jordan's in the band with us. And Chris, like, that's all that he had going on here, really. And was like, I miss her. She's been gone for three months. I'm gonna go. And he sold his left-handed Fender Jazzmaster and his amp and oh. went to England for three months and we were like okay <laughs> so Jordan started playing with somebody else and uh, oh wow so you yeah had like, you had like a big it was kind of weird huh. and then Chris came back and then we just started playing together again and then that's when we were like let's let's try and make a live band out of the two of us so Chris had an a-, a Morley AB splitter and a fucking Line 60 L4 and we ran two amplifiers so we could get like stereo sounds and we tried to make the two of us seem as interesting as possible, just guitar and drums, and was like, we'll omit the bass and whatever. So we played like three shows that way. Wow, cool. Um, and then Mike je- like, was just available and coming with us to our shows and like being a roadie. And I was like, just fucking, here, you know how to play bass for two songs. I was like, and we practiced them. And then, so we'd play six songs, and Mike would play bass on two of them. And then we just started practicing more and more of that. And then that kind of just became the band. And so, fast forward, that's 2003. No, 2004, February 13th. My mother's birthday, February 13th, 2004. was our very, very first show that we played at uh, the Emerson college as a movie theater and in the basement of the movie theater a friend of mine hosted a show hmm. that was our very first show so that's when we were born and skipped whatever fucking year it was when Mike finally was like I don't like playing in this band anymore. I feel like I've been doing you guys a favor for all these years, waiting for you to find a bass player. I don't want to do this anymore. Mike and I were roommates at the time when he broke up with Piles, and we were like... So you guys broke up? No. No? (laughs) Oh no. No, no. We're getting there, though. Well, because it was that we had... Then we were going to play on Pipeline. We had booked Pipeline. And that was a thing. Like, I ended a recording Sebado playing on Pipeline. And other bands we knew were, like, played on Pipeline. We're like, we're going to fucking do Pipeline, whatever. Mike quit, like, a month before that show. So we ended up doing Pipeline with Jordan. No drums. We just brought synthesizer, drum machine, guitars, practice amps, and just improvised for 45 minutes. And it was total fucking garbage. It's, like, one <laughs> of the most embarrassing bullshits I've really? ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have the recording. it's, like... Pipeline was a big deal. I know it sucked that that's what happened to yeah. us too, because we just couldn't pull it together. We couldn't pull it off, like to get that. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Like he played his last show. I'm pretty sure it was February seventeenth, two thousand and seven. Yeah. It's all coming, but ba- <laughs> coming back to me now. That's how. That's how it happened. Um, and then we March. had Pipeline booked for March thirteenth. So, anyways, come May, I had made friends with uh, Nathan Cowing, who played in Phyllis and. In- uh, qualms with Dale mm-hmm. yeah. and they were trying to come out here to play from Chicago yeah I get it <laughs> and um, basically booked four shows with them one in Portland Maine a basement show in Alston O'Brien's the next night in Alston and then some shit show in fucking Brooklyn um, the next night so I think it was four shows in four days in three states that's the tour. That's that was the like, most we got of a tour. That's a tour. <laughs> so it was... But, like, we need a bass player. So there's this dude, Navid, Naveed Mir. He used to play in Mike's and Bakula and... Fucking... Well, he... Yeah, the Boo Jays. He currently goes by the moniker Cinco Sanders. He's a fucking freak, man. He's like the... He's... <laughs> He's the Pakistani Kurt Cobain, like, yeah. and me and Chris and Navid came together because Navid loves Nirvana, and me and Chris love Nirva, like love Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Right now, Chris and I haven't played music together in seven years, and we could come together tonight and play a whole Nirvana set at O'Brien's, like. The- you should. I know it would be should awesome. Do a like, well, we, show. And so we've done. We played basement shows. We did play at O'Brien's before as a Nirvana cover band. Oh, like, good. we would just, yeah. So, me and Chris and Naveed had played together, I think, as Nirvana cover band on the fly, like, probably five different times. So, we knew that we were, could play together, and then Naveed learned songs. And we'd gone through, oh, fuck, was that after the, we had the, what we called the presidency. We had a residency at the PA's Lounge. And each, it was a five Tuesday month, and so we had five shows for the whole month. And so we took whatever date it was and made the focus of that show be what amendment that was related to. Really? <laughs> and there was like a women's women's right related one. And that was like when we had all the lady bands play. And it was cool. all, the, and we called it the presidency and Liz Prince drew a, a, co- a poster for it. It's pretty fucking awesome. Um, yeah, I forget. There was like 30 odd people that like all participated in the thing. It was really fun. Um, but Mike had quit before the presidency. So we had different people come and play. Like, we had five sets that we had to play. Mm-hmm. So we had different people play bass for us each of the weeks. There's a lot of shit going on. That's cool. So Navid was one of them. Uh, I, yeah, when we played Nevermind cover to cover. <laughs> and <laughs> he, so I was like, Navid's going to play bass for us for this tour thing with Qualms, and it just was... Like, he he is a notoriously unreliable person, and it was the dumb Jerry Springer guest mindset of me that was like, he's not going to do it to me. And he fucking did. Like, we're playing in Portland, Maine. It's, this, it's a huge deal to me and Chris to play out of state because mm-hmm. we never fucking play out of state. So, like, we're there three hours early, obviously, and everything, five minutes before we play. Like, it's going on at 9 o'clock, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, so we're gonna do this like we did five yeah. years ago. We're gonna play as a two-piece and that's it. And he's like, "Yep." Fucking Navid pulls up. Like we had everything all set up. So he even just walked up and played the bass. And it was just like, "Fuck, fuck." It was like, and and it was basically that. I like, I was like, "This is all on me, Chris. If this fails, this is all on me." And it failed pretty fucking bad. bad. Oh yeah, the whole time it was just like a total shit show. Those four shows were a fucking disaster. And it was just like that was Chris and I starting to be like, "I don't think this is going." And then he moved to Chicago for work Mm -hmm. soon after, and we did, then we, yeah, we fucked around, we tried to make some songs in the the studio, we tried to reconfigure, and the two songs, I was looking at them too, they're fucking 9 and 14 minutes long. The nine minute long song is like a radiohead song. Like we made a radiohead song that with a drum machine that builds and drops and it's amazing and all this shit, but it's also like, what the fuck are we doing? Like super self-indulgent. It was weird. It was weird. So we just did finally we started getting uh, my my understanding is that we were starting to lose bookings to the band pile. And that there was confusion yeah. on the scene of there being a piles and, and still, a pile still around. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. My bandmates love them, and it's like it sticks with me in a weird way. Like I know their music is good and fine and all of that stuff. It's slightly annoying to me because <laughs> I find they're it, already I find it annoying, and I'm not an either man. <laughs> there well existed a band called Piles, and yeah. then they're singular pile, and so it was it was just through odd conversations or missed emails or stuff like that that. Uh, you know, I determined that they were kind of getting bookings and we were also like, well, we're not fucking doing anything with it. So we booked our last show that all I know is that Pile was the first band to play and we were the last band to play. And we joked about, we had this banner that was, was fucking huge. I mean, it was bigger than that, that whiteboard, um, black. With orange letters and comic sans that said piles. It was like the fucking word. It was given to Chris as a, a Christmas gift, and he's like, this is ugly. And then we just started using it because so it's like, this is <laughs> horrible. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's terrible. We look like even more like idiots. And I mean, and those were the days too when I was like drinking and smoking cigarettes and definitely like leaner person. And I would strip all the time when we were playing because I would get hot, and, and it was also like. I don't know, it just made sense to play drums without a shirt on, you know. Why not? Which I don't, well, now I definitely don't anymore because, you know, my shape is different. I have a child now. Well, and also Matt and Dennis told me that uh, it's distracting and it doesn't really, (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't fit with the aesthetic of our band. Matt's like, in a polite way, he's like, yeah, that's more like a hardcore band thing to do. And I'm like, all right, I understand. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And that's it. Now, like, almost to the point now I tuck my shirt in when we play. So, so you just don't have, don't have to do No, I'm in, uh, like, I'm set on wearing a shirt for this <laughs> performance. Don't worry, Matt. But, yeah, so we did, we played a, a, you know, I don't know, a handful more shows. But by that point, like, once Chris moved to Chicago, oh, actually, it was while well, Chris moved to Chicago... And that's when I started Arcalon, and that's when Motorcar started going, which was me and Nathan. We went through a bunch of different bands. We were called 1991 at one point.
1: Big. Be- uh,
0: no, oh no. Uh, what was the other? Yeah, he. <laughs> Broder wrote about him in the Phoenix, and that's what he told him that our band was called when we were called Motorcar yeah as a reference the yeah. phoenix still existed <laughs> oh, the good old days oh my god you know, it's so weird when you're like get about. the phoenix on a Thursday be like oh yeah I wanna see what fucking shows are gonna happen well dude I'm starting to move so I'm going through the garage and like clearing out shit and I found a stack of northeast performers and I was like why do I have a dozen copies of the exact same performer <laughs> cause you're and in. I'm looking at well yeah and, but I'm like so where am I the fun scavenger hunt of like what little teeny <laughs> fucking blurb. four words are about me that I kept the whole magazine for. So I found it and it was an Archelon show at P.A.'s and it was awesome because the the one line, I'll almost get this perfect, says, uh, Smith displayed, uh, uh, oh fuck, now I forget. But like, a, 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 uh, he, Smith displayed an amount of poise, an admirable amount of poise considering the crowd thinning effect of the late hour. And I was like, that's a really nice way of saying that I didn't seem bummed out that I was playing for the other bands. Because that's totally <laughs> what it was. And I still was like, yeah, playing my stupid Nirvana sounding songs. And like, I know how to make post-rock too. It was all that that band was. Like, listen to me. This is how it's really done. Forget about piles. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, I don't even remember how me and Nathan started playing together. Either. I mean, uh, it's like Nathan is a whole thing that I've I've almost tried to, like, erase from my mind because... He's a, he's a bit eccentric. I And the thing is, I love Nathan so much. And this seems to be, in my research of that era and the Cape Cod scene and all that stuff, is... I mean, now I'm, like, sincerely, you know, say this myself, but, like, I love Nathan, but I can't stand to be around him. Like, he's <laughs> such a difficult person to be around. And for extended periods of time. I mean, he's fine when you haven't seen him in a while and you hang out and it's great. But a little bit once he starts, like, feeling comfortable again around you and everything and just, like, the gray cloud that is, like, why am I not famous and successful and all this stuff? And it's like, Ethan, I mean... Give up the ghost, man. I mean, just accept what you are. Like, stay in your lane and enjoy it and, you know, do other things, too. Don't just be like... like I mean, he, like, you know, in the course of a text conversation, one of the last times we texted together a lot, he compared himself to both Kanye West and Bob Dylan, and, and like, drew biblical references as to, like, why musicians are as important, if not more so than scientists, or, I was like, I don't know, I mean, okay, man, okay, and I really loved (laughs) our band. That's the thing, you just say, you just go, Sure. That's fine. And I really loved our bands that we played in, and it's, like, so fucking unfortunate to me. We made, we made one, like, good proper recording as Motor Car, but I recorded us constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recorded at the other sound museum. What's his name? Taylor Barefoot Studio. Uh, Barefoot Studio, I guess it's called. But anyways, it's, like, a nice setup, and, you know, it's, like, one of these things, but where it's, like, five rooms in a row. Yeah. And a whole, yeah, and a real, like, actual studio. It's mm-hmm. It's cool. Um, but I recorded us constantly. We had I mean, conservatively, me and Nathan had recorded like 50 or 60 songs, like totally. And when, after we stopped playing, oh, because we got to a point. Stoner Brook was our good fucking band. and then uh, just after we made our recording with Nathan Cowling in Maine. We bought a half-inch reel of... Or no, one-inch tape. We bought a reel of one-inch tape that was, like, $180 or something. It went up there, and Nathan made this, like, eh, recording of us, where I'm pretty sure the drums are out of phase, and that's why it sounds like shit, but it's, like, the deadest-sounding fucking tape recording I've ever heard. It was really, really disappointing. I think Nathan, like, fixed it, but... Nathan Cowing fixed it, but it didn't matter, because we recorded it, let's say, in September or October, and by November... Nathan Moore was like, all right, I'm moving to D.C. with my girlfriend. Like, fucking dude, really? You... And he was just like, yeah, I have to go. Like, the girl who I've been thinking about breaking up with for the past year and a half, I'm going to move to D.C. with her now. And it was like, you're a fucking nightmare. Like, you're <laughs> killing me right now. This is the best... I mean, it really was my favorite band I'd ever been in. Really? Up to that... Yeah! What year was this? Oh, eight? 2008? And it was actually, at that show, was when... Matt and Judy and Dennis were all there because we played I mean it was like I think we played three shows our one good show is at PAs and Matt and Judy and Dennis were there to see Broken River Prophet see Adam and it was just Adam playing but they stayed and saw us because they knew Nathan whatever mm-hmm. and um Judy and Bonnie started being friends then. And is that when you... And that's when me and Matt kind of started to get to be friends because Matt was a person that I always, like, had eyes for and was like... But he's such a fucking bedroom weird eyes. dude. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, Paul Joyce is the only one I have, like, real bedroom eyes for. That's real. But 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 Matt is, like, a person who I'd had a couple conversations with. I find him fascinating and know him as a drummer from Boninaz. Well. I'm still fucking amazed that he can... For a drummer, that he can play guitar as... Well as he does, even though obviously he's a guitar right. player that like is so so on the drums. Total sucks. I love. He's yeah, too I know. fucking talented. Fuck him. Well, it, listen, it doesn't go without his fair share of complaining. Oh, <laughs> he is like seventy. Really? Oh yeah, Good, Yeah, he's been seventy <laughs> for as long as I've known. Him. Yeah, he was probably forty by eleven. <laughs> <laughs> fucking poor guy. <laughs> But he that was, you know, like when the two of them started talking, and I was like, "Oh, what's up, Matt? can like we can we be friends or whatever?" And I mean, even when Brown laser started, and Matt was, was probably like, "I got enough friends dude. or no, he's just like, "I don't like friends." like, no, <laughs> I'll like you more if we're not friends. Do you drink? Okay, yeah, that's fine. that's fine. We can start there. <laughs> but Dennis Dennis was the uh Dennis was the the reason that we started playing together anyways, because he was just like and I guess maybe looking back on him, like does Dennis just think that I'm cute and he wants to spend time with me yeah. or did he really think like not, not no enough. I think talking from talk, talking to Dennis talking to both of them like he Den, Dennis had like an idea for a band right? right and knew that you knew you as a drummer I yeah. guess from somewhere and probably a, no not that the, Stoner Brook show I played bass <laughs> I don't know yeah so and I, I may and I think he's heard heard about you, and and again, they reinforced that, but uh, so you guys got together and he had one song, is that right? Yeah, he had like a riff and then that was like the thing that we started with, and I think we only played together twice, and he was like, hey, I think Matt would come and play. I'm like, bullshit. Like, I'll call your bluff. (laughs) He's gonna come and play with this fucking like doofus noodle riff that we're playing (laughs) that ended up becoming the first song that the thing that we played Matt was like, what if we slow it down to, like, halftime? And then we did, and that's what turned it into the song. Matt wrote the jazzy opening and then suggested, let's halftime it. Which song is that? And the Probe. It was originally called Ford Probe, and then it was called Fjord Probe. <laughs> and then it just became The Probe. Oh, well, there's a lot of, like, questionable butt references oh. in our band. <laughs> that's all right. In all of the bands. I mean, all, dude, all dudes' bands There's just dick jokes. Dude, everywhere. Like, I, you just, you find them in the corner, there's a dick joke over here, yeah. and then, like, you, you open a beer, and there's a dick joke coming out of it. they just, they're just in everywhere. No, it's butt jokes for us, though. Dude, piles. Uh, so, it's three, four months after being, like, we're decided. We've already come up with, like, piles of music, piles of drums, <laughs> piles. piles of, like, all of these, yeah, piles of. That was, like, our thing. We spent a night, we made 25 shirts in different sizes with, with uh fucking fabric markers. Like, we just drew shirts. That was our first bit of merch that we had. And it was just, like, piles of... Oh, the best one. The best pun of the whole thing. I dig piles. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> right? So we had all of this shit, and then we're like, Oh, we should I go... I to- that shirt. It, it exists. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. Um... And we're like, we should Google this and see what it is. And it's like, right away comes up that it's British slang for hemorrhoids. are like, <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, great. So the first thing, if you're going to look on Google.com for our band, you'll come up with that, yeah. And similar with Brown Lasers, which Dennis, like, insisted on... I mean, the name existed before we were the band with our sound and everything. Yeah. And yeah. the justification that I guess I'm, we're all supposed to take is that... Uh, There's a rainbow of laser colors, but there is no brown laser. Um, If you just do a brief Google search of that one before we became the overriding uh, result... Is it just diarrhea? Yeah, Urban Dictionary for (laughs) diarrhea. Also, if you look a little bit further on YouTube, you'll find a, a 2007 live performance from Ohio's blues band, Brown Lasers. Oh, the blues band. A blues band. Yeah, that I'm like... Oh, so these guys already did literally everything that we're doing. They've accomplished it. Well, without them, you would be... Nuts. Sick riffs, <laughs> hot vocals, and some real yeah, mellow you guys, drums. You guys, you guys have the best, like, lyricists. I, I can't... Yeah, yeah. No, I just want to make Which sure is just you yelling hear. behind the drum set. Well, yeah, and only ever when I make a mistake or now yelling woo during one of the songs. Dude, during Very, very Smelly, I, I've started yelling woo. Just this, like... Dumb enthusiasm sure But it makes Matt laugh And fuck up playing guitar <laughs> And it's worth it to me If I can make him Fuck up guitar I'm like Oh I'm nailing this right uh... now It's just Oh yeah It's really You guys have been playing Every month pretty much Yeah it's crazy Yeah I know We well, And we d- just had to talk About all of that And we're like We, sh- we gotta like Slow it down a little bit Cause we yeah. should. Don't you get tired Of playing fucking shows Every month yeah, Well yeah And we can't really Like work on new stuff Cause yeah. we're just like Getting ready for another show And and you know, it's not like they're killer shows or anything. Not bad. Playing shows rules, but it's, it's also, yeah, make it a little bit more special than just like going and playing at the midway again on a Tuesday I was say, night. I mean, you play the midway a lot. So and then yeah. and another thing we talk about a lot is that there's just no place to play anymore. No. And the midway is just will open up. They just open up the doors like, oh, you, you have a guitar, come on in. Yeah, come here. Yeah, like, what are, are you busy tonight? Because you can play tonight. <laughs> yeah. like, it's fine. We don't have a show. Up we yet. just need somebody to buy a beer. Just come yeah. on in. Yeah. I know it's it's nice though. So, it is. but I the mean, midway is is go, I mean, back to piles just for a second. Is that we started in February of 2004 and March 13th, 2004? It's another 13th. Yeah, man. There's some dates that I remember. I remember Nirvana so dates when Nirvana played SNL the first times, January 11th, 1992. Jesus. I don't know why. Why the fuck? How do you it's remember this? Because I, I can't remember other. I was going to say, shit. do you remember anything else? No, I don't remember my <laughs> phone number. <laughs> But um, but that was when Piles played at the Midway Cafe for the first time. That was our first, like, show in a club. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played with this band, Dusky Silo. And I forget what the other band was. But it was like, that was our first time at the Midway playing in a, you know, in a club in Boston and, like, doing the thing. And this is fucking awesome. Way back when the Midway was half its size, when there was the pinball machine next to the stage, like, it was, oh, man, it's fucking awesome it was awesome it was really really cool and then I felt super fucking old when I realized I'm like oh wow I've been playing at the Midway Cafe for 14 years now Wonder, like <laughs> slow down a little bit direct, maybe expand
1: a so little where else to
0: go no I know I mean, it's, it's the true PAs once just shut down did it really to, to reopen maybe oh. again but they're, they're pretty much after the shit went down with that that break in yeah. they've been having a hard time getting everything to back, back to sucks, it dude. does we it can't sucks so hard. Nice things no, and uh, uh, I know they were having shows up like in the upstairs, like in the lounge area. Yeah. I'd play, I'd play the fucking lounge. You yeah, well, I saw... I went there when... who is was it? Bro- Black, Black Heart Procession. That'd oh, be shit. It. They played... Well, Sam Coombs from Quasi was opening. Chris Brokaw and then Sam Coombs playing solo piano, and then Blackheart Procession. I went just to see Sam Coombs, like, bought a however much money ticket, and then went and talked to Sam Coombs afterwards, and then left before Blackheart Procession, because I didn't. I liked the look of their records, but I didn't really care about that music. music. Yeah. It was one of those things where, like, I was a, a sucker for all touch-and-go things. It was like, oh, just buy it. Like, if this they person were a very record, strange band. Like, kind of Oompa Loompa, weird, like... Yeah. patrol uh, style like, Yeah turn-of-the-century kind of music. Which is interesting. So weird to think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I didn't care. I was there to see Sam Coons, and it's like, he wasn't gonna play any quasi-songs, he wasn't gonna play any Heat Miser songs, he wasn't gonna play. Like, I don't know what the fuck. I know he had a record, but I just went with a friend of mine to go and see him. It was like, it was amazing. He just played on, the, like, a digital piano hmm. thing for, I don't know, 40 minutes, and it was fucking amazing. The guy's fucking amazing. He made it sound awesome. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was whatever, whatever their gear. But yeah, so anyways, that's the only time I've seen a show there. We played, the second Brown Lasers show we played was da- at once for, oh, a, yeah. for a Hassle Fest. We were the second band to play the Hasslefest at like 6 p.m. And it was like, it was the worst where our first show was at Great Scott for Tom and Steve. Tom Wetherin and Steve Gisselbreck yeah. yeah. It was a- Was our wedding... anniversary show? Yes, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was our very first show, mm-hmm. and we played. That was a good show. It was fucking awesome. It still is the best show that we've ever played. <laughs> and we only had our six songs. And that was like songs. five years ago, right? Yeah. yeah, and we only had our six songs, so we had to play the original six songs, which, mm-hmm. you know, we immediately retired, like two of them. Did those two guys, had, had they heard like recordings you'd done? I think what, I, what they, I know, it was pretty much, they just, just loved me, yeah. 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 They loved me. <laughs> yeah, I, I still wonder if, like, did they actually even ever like piles, or do they just love me? No, really. <laughs> yep. I think they do like piles. I think they do like piles. Well, they like metal, right? I mean... No. No, no. they're... Again, wake up, damn light. It, you know what it is? Does he have something in front of it? Or we're yeah, also not this, moving this, that much. This, this PA speakers in front of it. PA speakers gotta go, man. <laughs> yeah, who needs vocals? Fuck that. You just scream. Vocals are way overrated. Some of the best music has been ruined by vocals. Your band's not not the case. Not to put you over anything. No, no, no. I'm thinking about like, even when we played last week at the midway, and the guy was like, "Fucking hippie John" or whatever his name was. was Like, oh Mark, Mark, what's your name? My name's Mark. I was like, all right, I I know, yeah, I got got you. Um, (laughs) Figured you out. (laughs) But no, he was like trying to solicit me to come and play. Second drums on Hippie Night for the Grateful Dead band. After watching Brown Lasers play, I was like, "Dude, didn't I? just I didn't play right then. If you want me to come play fucking Grateful Dead songs, I okay, could do it." But you he was asking like, me, "Oh no, I'd love to. Yeah. I totally would." But I was, I was like, "I didn't do Mike Brown Lasers' job right. If you're thinking about the Grateful Dead even remotely afterwards, maybe that guitar solo Matt does is a pretty the fucking ripping one." Yeah, yeah. 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 But he, um, what the fugs are just getting out about. Oh, he they asked me him and his girl asked about like you guys ever have a singer or whatever? And I'm like, what are you gonna sing over it's brown yeah, Lasers it would be shit? Very, like very difficult to sing over that. If we could get sixty eight, sixty-nine Robert Plant, like that specific twenty year old Robert Plant, he could come and sing for Brown Lasers. I don't know who the fuck like Jack Bruce could come sing for brown lasers. I don't know. It'd have to be something that's like somebody real ballsy and not somebody like holding the microphone like I'm gonna be you know or like standing to a microphone like that's one thing to... that I've always had a problem with about singers front people yeah I just <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I'm like
1: you're in the way
0: yeah. move over <laughs> like I, I, I for a longest time couldn't listen to any bands that had just a singer yeah and it was like a real thing for me and when I when I was first working at Newbury, people would make fun of me like how the f- why why well, I was like because what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, like and like like flailing around, and I'm like, that's that's doing nothing for me, Ozzy. You know, and honestly, I don't give a fuck what you're saying either. Yeah, like I don't care about your problems. Yeah, <laughs> I have my own fucking problems. Like, what? And, and then, uh, yeah, then I then like I really listened to the first Black Sabbath of Record, and I was like, all right, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and it is yeah, but he's like a rare exception. I mean, even like the, and I love him, and he's not a great singer, but like David Lee Roth is, he's an all time. But I definitely went through a, a period of that that was so gross to me. I mean, Nirvana made everything that wasn't Nirvana gross to me. I just totally rode that train. And I was in the sixth grade when he died. Mm-hmm. So it just got me the next year. So I never was into Nirvana when, when it was new around. music. Yeah. yeah, it was like I was just at the I mean, like a perfect age. I'm 12 years old. I'm going to get a guitar in two years, but I'm going to study Nirvana Unplugged. and <laughs> Unplugged? And, oh, yeah, that was my <laughs> that first was, That thing. was the recording, yeah. right? Nirvana Unplugged, uh, I think, I Green think... Day's Dookie and the Blue Album was the same Christmas of the seventh grade. All of those cassettes came to me and was like, this rules. This is my new, and the Black Album by Metallica. Hmm. I was like, this is my, I'm, like, I'm going to make all of this music. I'm going to do, I'm going to figure this out. Like, while well, I'm playing the trumpet, too. Like I don't want to play the trumpet anymore. I just want to. Is that when you when you got your bass, your first bass? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was until fourteen. It was freshman year of high school, and that Christmas, and my stepfather got me a electric bass. And an amplifier, just to be a dick to my mother. It was kind of a drag when I found that out. Like when that was confirmed years later, he's like, "Oh yeah, I just did that to be an asshole." I'm like, oh, <laughs> You're like, "My whole fucking career is also oh, yeah," but also, I was like, "No, oh, that's cool, man." I, yeah, you know, I still have. It was it, your. I like that your your music career is created in contempt, kind of you know, like bitterness or whatever the basically. Dude, I mean, yeah. He well, even getting ready to move, I went through and have been cataloging all of my music equipment and stuff. And like, I there's only a couple things that I've gotten rid of, and it is because when I hold it, I have like I have flooded with memories. Mm-hmm. I enjoy marijuana pretty regularly, sure. and it is ultra like completely destroyed my memory that was already so so to begin with. Um, but getting those responses to things like holding my first, it's a. a Lero brand but it's an Ibanez Telecaster 70's Telecaster thing that the first time I, I'll never forget the first time I saw it I walked into my homeroom in freshman year of high school Chris Hislop left handed sitting there playing it strung left handed a right handed Telecaster guitar. which looks very much upside down mm-hmm. um, and just being like whoa that's so cool like that's so cool and ended up buying the guitar off of him for 50 bucks and I have that guitar. Like, yeah, that's my guitar. And and as a result, because he just, like, seriously, with the... I I don't even know what. A fucking saw, like, carved up the nut on it to fit lower strings on the higher higher side. So (laughs) the nut was just mangled, so I just put baritone strings on it. Like, yeah, I was like, this is a baritone. Yeah, but the scale is completely fucked. Yeah, Yeah, it's impossible. So, like, beyond the third fret, it didn't have any sort of in-tune sound, but I wrote... The song called "Lero" the baritone on it, and that was the only thing it existed for. And I've finally like reclaimed it as a guitar in the past like two years. Doyle did that to a Telecaster, I think. Who did? Doyle. Oh, Matt. Put yeah. Baritone strings on it when we were living in Watertown. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. We have. I have that. <laughs> I finally got the more of the backstory uh, on the SG as I went through. What the SG that I sold him? Yeah, yeah. The SG that lives with me. Oh, you have it. It is yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, it has ended its life with me. That I play like I did. Finally, (laughs) no, no, no. I finally fine tuned it, and it is like absolutely the best playing guitar I've ever owned or played. Like it's it sings fucking sweet. I don't know. I figured out intonating. Yeah, and it's really good. It's a really great guitar. But then I started to realize, like, wait. So based on the serial number, this is a nineteen eighty six. And there's only two styles of fucking SGs they put out in '86. One does not look like this guitar, and the other one definitely does did not look like this wing? guitar. Did it have the bowing or did it have just the the, the, no. the half pickguard? Half pickguard. Pick yeah, but like Doyle had basically like redid the whole thing into this crazy, like he tried to make it look like more of a replica thing, but all the cluster of controls is like doesn't look correct. You know, once mm-hmm. I kind of studied SGs a little bit, was like guitar looks fucked up, man. This thing is totally fucking wacky. I didn't do any of that shit. No, I know. Well, when I saw one of the the mahogany plugs on it, was like, oh my god, he's like moved shit around and still Mm. managed to like stain this thing red, Mm. or you know, finish it red. Yeah. It's a sweet guitar. It is a sweet guitar. I went to to the hospital because of that guitar. Did you? the doctor, yeah. For what? Stripping it? Stripping. Really? Yeah, (laughs) I stripped it, and then like, a couple days later, I, I... I had to go home from work because like I couldn't breathe. That sucks, so I, man. And the next day I went to the doctor and I was spitting up red flecks of candy red, candy apple red. Gross. Paint. Yeah. Oh uh, So was... always always wear a respirator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good PSA. Yeah. Always wear a respirator, especially when you're working with like that fucking finishing, because they because they use fucking nasty ass chemicals. Yeah. For that shit, and that was in the '80s when they could still use all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I know, the guitar was so ugly-looking when it Ugh. started. I can't believe what it is now. It was, like, such a fucking, like, almost Corvette red, like, solid. You don't see any of the wood grain through Like, just gross, like, pretty sterile-looking guitar. Too. Yeah, yeah. And now it looks like a, you know, a wine red. Yeah, it's it's sweet. It's really nice. I was... got annoyed that I've, like, chipped off some of the finish on it. And, <laughs> and like, you you told me I could have this thing. <laughs> I've offered it back to him, and he's like, I'll buy it back off of you if I yeah. want it back. And I was like, all right, man. Well, wait, get- he brought, didn't he already have one that he built from he has scratch? Several. Yeah, yeah. well, we just did the count, so that was the thing. I figured out that I have 29 guitars, acoustics, electric, basses, the whole bit, I have 29. And he was like, when I said that, thinking like, man, I'm crazy, but he's like, yeah, I have like 22 or 24. <laughs> but they're all very specific, and I was like, <laughs> So that's a dick way of saying that like most of mine are fifty dollar Japanese he guitars. he has like, and three his are, like, Telecasters, and he has yeah, three strats, strats that are like, all based he wanted, on. He wanted a 70s white one, spent. yeah, he right. wanted a Sunburst one. Well, then. now he wants a backwards. He wants a lefty one to string righty, just to be that guy. I'm like, I'm kind of, I kind of endorse yeah, but he'll that because he'll never <laughs> even play it out live. Like <laughs> no, he'll never play a Telecaster live. No, uh, that uh, that Les Paul, yeah. uh, was Chris Pupecki's from Cast Iron Hike. Really? Yeah, I used to work with him at Natick. So that this guy, well, yeah. Did you ever? You ever work with Chris? Did you? No, no, no. No, but you worked. At, you worked at Natick. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, that was his guitar. From he played that in Cast Iron Hike. No, and he, shit. And he was like, he's like, I, I don't want. You know? And I think I bought it for four hundred dollars, which is a mm-hmm. fucking good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Then I was like, ah, I got him, and then. My trope of like every guitar I own has to be brown. So that's why I stripped the paint off of it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I fucking huffed all of it. Yeah, man. I was just like <gasps> Yeah. Well, let me grind up these paint flecks and really fucking breathe deep. <laughs> yeah, respirators are pretty key. Yes. All that yeah. shit. But you, you, but you do some of that shit too, right? You refinish guitars. Yeah, I've been getting more and more into it as a way of like to try to stop. Like, I don't play guitar nearly enough to justify how many guitars I have, other than that I like pretty things, and I like to look at them and touch them. And, but also, the old ones that I have, are they are what they are. Like, I, I have had hidden away my very first acoustic guitar. So I got the, the electric bass and an acoustic guitar the same Christmas. My grandmother gave me, my mother's mother gave me the guitar that she had bought for my mother, in like, 77, oh, that my mother had no interest in, and sat in the corner... And it's a harmony, it's a silver tone, but it's a Harmony, and that's what got me going with, like, Sears Silvertone. A solid body or acoustic? Acoustic. Acoustic. Yeah. And, um, it's a guitar that, like, I try to really, really treasure. Like, it got used well for a while, and all of the wear that's on it is all from me, which is super cool, because I don't have really any other guitar. Like, I babied every other guitar, really. Um... But I like love it so much that I don't want it to be out in the world. So I kind of like tuck it away in its original case in the closet, and like it has a special home that I can see. You know, I don't know. No, I guess. it's it's the guess. most special of. Like I would say, fuck off to all of my guitars to keep this one, and it's not the best of them all. I still it's the like, one that means the most. My first guitar I still have, and it has been through the ringer. Yeah. I, I bought it was I, the first car I spent my own money on. Yeah, and I bought it in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, at this tiny little store that no longer exists. Yeah, and they wanted way too much money. It was it's a Harmony Rocket electric, single, okay, single cutaway, yeah, three pickups. Now, if I hadn't fucked with it, I could get like fifteen hundred dollars for it mm-hmm. if it was in like the shape it was when I got it. But no, that is your first guitar. I've that seen it. That, 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 that was guitar like, rules. Well, it was the first guitar that I owned. Yeah, the first guitar that I learned on. Well, I started playing bass, and it was a uh, washburn. Wait, now, did you also start playing bass because nobody else was playing bass, and you wanted to play music with people? Because that's exactly why I started playing Uh, bass. Yeah, well, it was that, and then also I thought it was too stupid to play guitar, because there's two extra strings. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't even know how the fuck four strings work. Right. Then. Yeah, basically. I mean, the kid who had the drum set, like, had a drum set, so that was out. Like, I wasn't going to get that. Mm-hmm. And then, even to play guitar, but I was like, we don't need three guitar players in the band. We need a bass player. Sure and I'm like, yeah, I'll play bass. Yeah. Like, I want friends. I want people to like me. <laughs> and it continues on today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. I'll I, do that. Yeah. No, I still, uh, I have those bits. Justin Joyce is the one who still trips me up on, like, I want you to like me. And I'm like, I don't want you to like me. You're a fucking yeah. jerk. <laughs> He's a, such a fucking turkey. He He was one of the few people. he had my guard down enough. We were being friendly to each other just as I finished the brown lasers recording before I dumped it to tape. Mm-hmm. but it was like done in its digital form and I sent it to Justin and was like, because he had just seen us and we were like text, I don't know, texting or email, whatever. And I was like, what do you think about this? And he just, like, totally fucking popped my balloon. It was just like, oh, like, this sounds cool, but it, do- it definitely doesn't sound as good as Brown Laser sounds. And, like, all of this, like... and then And then he sends me an email where he offers to remix it for me. <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to this I believe I think yeah. I'm going to just completely leave this one alone and let it go until the next if I, time I, like if you... I address it I'm going to get very very angry because <laughs> you know you know, Justin that you just laid this out in the way where you know on paper it's just like no I'm just trying to be friendly because I have a different level of talent and, and, and a different ear and I know how to work it you know and all that but it's just like a dick way of being like, I don't like your mix and I can do a better job. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm sure you could. Honestly, the reason I didn't send it to him is because if he did a better mix, I'd be like, fuck you. I'm not, re- we're not releasing that at all. Fuck off like that. <laughs> it sounds too goddamn good. You know? Well, that's the thing. He could ma- he can maybe mix that keyboard thing that he does. Right. But mixing you guys would be a totally different animal. Well, plus I recorded it, so well, I know, you know all exactly. the fuck ups and the flaws, yeah. and like I know why the guitar sounds yeah. weird. Yeah, because Matt didn't fucking put the guitar, the <laughs> microphone in the right place every time. Honestly, mixing something that's like that clean and predominantly all electronic instruments, yeah, I would imagine. And I'm not a, sure. I'm not like an engineer, but would be easier to mix than rock Yeah. Lasers. Just yeah. like, um, especially a live recording in one room mm-hmm. where there's bleed over on everything. It's tough. Basically, would, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So. Well, jumping around thinking about bass, though, though my my I only got to play bass in two bands.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Stonerbrook was one. The other one was Mailblood, previously mentioned. As the, the one word, lowercase mail, capital letters blood. That reminds me of my terrible, which one pun ba- band name that, I, uh, the mailboxes, but M A L E. Oh yeah, mailboxes. that's how me and Matt. It's like a prison band. <laughs> Oh god, that's fucking horrible. That's how Matt and I text each other that you've got mail You've got M A L E. But so male blood was. Do you know the band Keel Hall? Yeah, Never heard of Keel mm-hmm. Hall. So male blood was us wanting to be like Don Cab and Keelhall. and there was some. Oh, and refused. Shape of deep Punk, Shape great, of Punk great. to come, yeah, and fucking, uh, but a lot more leaning on like songs to fan the flames of discontent, mm-hmm. and that one being a little more less like straight hardcore, yes, and less of the fucking artsy fartsy bleep bloop shit, but it, but the starts and stops, yeah, 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 and like the math, I mean, the fucking drums, I mean, David Sandstrom, that one song is just fucking ridiculous. They're oh, they're just so just good, ridiculous. they're so good. So that's who we started, and and when we started Mail I don't even fucking remember why. Well. I don't remember exactly why, other than the joking arrogance of, <laughs> we don't want people to, to, think, to pigeonhole this band because the drummer from Piles is playing bass in it. <laughs> so bear in mind, Piles doesn't mean shit to anybody. So, I'm going to wear a luchador wrestling mask. Oh, sure, sure. And a suit. With the, with the microphone sewn in. No, no, <laughs> the lightning that, bolt. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the it's fucking, fucking creepiest shit. Ever. Facebook told me today it's his birthday. Shout oh, out yeah? to Brian Chippendale, happy birthday. I should have. I should try to get those guys. Oh yeah, he's a guys fucking guys. beast, man. That guy too. How old is he now? I don't know. Facebook will probably tell us. Yeah, he's got to be in his forties though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. But no. So Luchador mask, a three piece suit, and playing a Kramer neck through bass. And my name in the band was Al Harkin. Sure. Uh, just cause we didn't want any confusion. Was, and and Mailblood and Piles played together a couple times. It was weird. Mailblood was uh Mailblood was fucking awesome. Jeff King, who's the drummer in spelling, um, and Nasty and all that shit, he, it was it was back in Jeff's early days when he was still a real clean clean player. Mm-hmm. He didn't smoke any of the grass or drink any of the drink, and uh it's just like his level of Technicality it was fucking amazing. That band was really something special. We recorded a bunch of shit. It never fucking. <laughs> I just found a show flyer, a flyer from playing at the Midway with Donna Parker and I forget who else, somebody else from 2006. It's like back when we would like hand draw flyers and stuff like that. I mean, 2006, I was 24 years old. I was so excited. what sounds like you were in this band. It yeah, sounds like you're pretty proud of it. Yeah, Mailblood was awesome. My bass lines were fucking great, too. Like I, and that's a thing that I love to come in to, like, add is the bass lines. They're playing two guitars and drums. Oh, I mean, it was like Oxes. It was really oh, okay. all Oxes. Oxes was... Keel Hall was the band because we were trying to be this, like, heavy clusterfuck of just, like, prog and shit. But mm. it, they would write the guitar parts like Oxes a lot. That was one of the, the early formative bands. Like, for me and Chris with Piles, it was Oxes and Don Cab and Lynx. I mean, Lynx was a cornerstone band for us. That whenever we ended up becoming friends with them, I and mean, you know, three quarters of Lynx. This is long after they were done. Not even. No, oh, we were really? just after. Like, they had just moved from Boston when we found that record. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were gone. And it was. And then by the time they were anything, like, we never ever got a chance to see them. So, again, back to Dale. I don't have those eyes for him. Like, Matt even said, like, he'll break character and be like. But seeing Dale play drums is, like, really incredible. Like, yes. I don't know how he could sound the way that he could sound. And fucking Dale's trick, too, with his snare drum. Do you know his, what he would do with his snare? You know the snares underneath the snare? No, no, none of that. A guitar string fucking wrapped around it once. That's it. That's his snare drum sound. Weird. Like a heavy gauge, like a 56-gauge guitar string or something. But, like, just, like, two strands, basically, and it's just a guitar string. And it's but it is Dale. It's how Dale. I mean, Dale could sit down on fucking either of these drum sets and sound unmistakably. He was like here Dale. and he didn't even like mention the drum sets. i like, sure. Didn't, didn't even look at them. I'm sure. And like I, the pictures. And i mentioned this in the thing. Like, it's a picture of the house that he's selling. Just yeah. The drum kit that is in like the corner, just broken apart. Like this one over here. Like the cymbals are all yeah. down. Like that, that, He hasn't played oh, probably in shame. like two years. It's a, yeah. It is. It's, it's such a waste. It's so good. I mean, even him and Mike Hutchins had a had a thing going. He was playing drums with Mike. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of those recordings. It's pretty good. Yeah, man, I infiltrated that whole scene of yeah, people. The, I mean, we can go... How <laughs> we the hell did you he about... all this stuff out of them? Like, you just were like... I almost feel like Nathan was my segue into the whole... Thing. Maybe that's why, even why I started to be friends with Nathan. I was like, he's my way into, like, getting access to all these other people. <laughs> i definitely using you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And he's gonna use me, too, so it all worked out. Yeah, there you go. But, um... We're definitely... I, yeah. When this thing comes out, I mean, I think each one's gonna have a show notes page, but like... Yeah. We need a List of the list bands? List all these bands, yeah. and then see if we can find links for everything, like, or is there, any of this shit online? And, yeah. There is... Yeah, there's good bits of it. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, there was,
0: there was the point just before I got together with who is now my wife, but just before we started dating, uh, I or I guess before Piles broke up officially I was playing in five bands at the same time I was playing drums in three bands and playing guitar in one and bass in another one. We and you were working you were still doing what you're doing now. I was living in South Boston and doing carpentry on the South Shore. Yeah, so it was a lot of fucking it was just a lot. It was I mean it was awesome but it also wasn't awesome. Like it started to get to the point with one of the bands I was playing drums in was uh, Have you ever heard of the band Bugs and Rats? they like a Quincy, Quincy but Boston band. It was like real sporadic, or I don't know, spazzy fucking Nirvana. Like, he loves Nirvana again. Um, his name is Sean. It goes by Shawnee Brando. <laughs> Sean Martinson. But Sean and Raddick and uh, Kelzo. Anyways, they're fucking... Uh, through a, just a love of Nirvana or whatever, and Piles and Bugs and Rats had played together, and then me and Sean kind of stayed in touch. And then we started playing together under the band name Slow Pussy. Oof. That was, yeah. And it was Drum Machine. Sean had a drum machine and his, his like, 74 Mustang, and I'm singing, and then I was playing drums over that. <laughs> and it was, but it was like, Sean was, like, in this fucking depths of heroin, and like one of our band really? one of our band practices it was a Sunday morning, he shows up and was like, Yeah, I was dead last night in the hospital and like he was and then he's here to play was, or that came up way later that he's like, Yeah, the night before when we played last week, like I died in the hospital. I'm like that how the fuck, cool like how the this fuck is, do you how the fuck do you get up from that and then show up to practice in the morning on a Sunday? I mean, I picked him up because oh, yeah. <laughs> we both lived in Quincy, literally off the yeah. ground. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was like he's fucking stumbled into the car and we fucking went over there and played. But it was like, and I mean, it was the kind of like horrible part of it too is that when we played together, I believe it was his vision. Like, and he performed like he would just shh and perform and then be back and, here in fucking garbage land. It was weird. I mean, I, he was at our last show, actually. We just talked a little bit about that again. And he's like, yeah, I was in a dark place and all this and that. Like, he's now sober it, now, yeah. and yeah. I mean, he, like, took a few hits of weed with me, but, was, you know, that that doesn't count. As, <laughs> it's and funny. that's definitely not heroin. Yeah, it's those so. are drugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I was playing in that and played, I mean, God, I don't even think I'm counting Stonerbrook then. But, yeah, Archelon. Oh, yeah, Archelon, Stonerbrook. Uh me and Jordan we had another band. We couldn't call it Smarch. We didn't want to start with Smarch again. So we made Malians. that was Aliens but Male M A L E Malians. Uh, uh bass and drums. Sounds like an Aquatine Hunger Force. Yeah. Uh. It was bass and drums and me and Jordan both singing um and just like posting the videos on YouTube and being like Hi, we're called Malians. and this is song three. Wow. Posting videos yeah. of that, so you're... That. <laughs> that's an interesting way to, like, record it, <laughs> and then just, that, that's the band you are. Well, I have like one of... You, yeah, we're just a YouTube band. What? Yeah. Is that a fucking thing? I mean, it was. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah, I'm I sure it so is. lost on content these days. Yeah, I mean, it's too much. <laughs> it's nice that we're contributing to it, though. Yeah, let's, let's add to it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, with Nathan, I think Matt... Matt Doyle and Eric Catalano were the two people that really did get me the, like, they got me started on my archiving of all of those bands, but, like, Eric had access in his way, because he grew up with all of them, and Eric ended up playing in Motor Car with me and Nathan that was, yeah, I mean, Nathan and I just started playing guitar and drums together and, and I don't even know how the fuck, how, I don't really know how we crossed paths, like, how we got started, but I i do think pretty honestly it was like if i get in with nathan that'll probably get me to other people and i really am like just fascinated with all these people like because we played shows upon and us and you know like i've had a crush on both paul and justin joyce for as long as i've known either of them like it pretty sincere like I would probably blow either of you guys I don't know what it is. and I'm not I don't really That's alright right, are the same person it doesn't matter yeah basically well Which, don't tell Justin just don't, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean that's the thing that <laughs> fucking Justin hates I know uh, but it, it was yeah and then and oh and <laughs> god I feel am talking so much about Jordan that but that <clears throat> Jordan had had his high school girlfriend The like from 14 to 18 they dated each other whatever and we had found out that, Jor- that that when Jordan and Kate split up, uh, she had started dating, like, this old dude, this older guy, and, and she's like, you know, I'm graduating from, you're still a teenager, basically, and I'm with a real man, whatever. Mm-hmm. All this fast-forward later, me, Nathan, and Eric played together. It was awesome, and then Eric moved to San Francisco. And we're like, what the fuck happened? And I think it was while he was gone or after he came back, we found out, Eric Catalano was the, was the fucking old fuck guy. Fuck you! That, yep, and he thought, without having ever mentioned it, that it was a whole thing of, like, I'm Jordan's, like, as soon as I found out, or that I already knew, or something, I'm like, Jordan's my friend, fuck you. And was like, I don't give a shit about, like, there was a couple years ago, and also, who gives a shit? Like, we're all grown-ups, man. Yeah. It was a weird move on Eric's part, he's just like, goodbye. And then he came back, and then was our bass player. So like we really, yeah, so. and like we played to at least a dozen shows as Motorcar. We played in all Asia. We played at the Middle East. When Dave all Norton Asia, was booking so. the Middle East, you talked to Dave, right? I haven't talked to Dave yet. No, you gotta talk to Dave. Uh yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's just very busy. I know. He's like, I mean, he's like you. I mean, he, yeah, you. you got, well, he's more. Yeah, he's like the old me. The new, <laughs> this me. This yeah, just yeah, like right, right. exhausted by an asshole five-year-old who gave me the cold shoulder this morning because she didn't want me to, oh, we were having a concert for her dolls. Sure. And I was like playing guitar and all I ever play is like Zeppelin riffs. And she was like, I was like, hold on a sec, grab me a piece of paper. And and I grabbed my phone and I wrote down all the chords to Let It Go, the Frozen song. And I was like, I started to just run through them and I was like, what's the first lyric? And then I sang it and she was like, dad, I'm going to have to ask you to stop pretty soon. I'm not kidding, she's five, and she was like, total adult, I'm going to need to ask you to stop pretty soon, and it was just a, like, she didn't expect that I was going to start playing it, wasn't prepared for it, and like, didn't want it to happen. But, and then she- Are felt, you ruining it for her or something? Like, exactly. kinda, kinda, and then she felt like a dick about it, uh, and then she geez. like, was, and so then she was like, being hard on herself about it, and I was like, oh man, I just like, ruined the whole morning. So then her and Bonnie get to start watching Willy Wonka just before I like, Hazel's first time to watch Willy Wonka, and she the was original? just basically, yeah, and she was basically just like, Deuce is like, go away, like, don't even talk to me, I'm watching this eating Mike and Ikes right now. I need to deal with this thing. I'm like, there, this yeah. sucks, dude, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go talk to some people that will at least pretend to be interested in what I'm fucking talking right about, here. damn it. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know, so, yeah, Eric, but Eric ended up being, because Eric had played in Milkworm. I can't even remember who the fuck else was in Milkworm. Uh, Nathan was, like, a couple of those people, not maybe. I mean it sounds familiar. Yeah. But Eric played in that, so he had old recordings of, oh, um, Nathan and Eric had played in The Enemy Sea. Yep. Nathan yeah, Moore, Eric Catalano. Yeah. yeah. But this fool, Tim, was their drummer. Oh, so shit. when I saw Elephants, and then Nathan Tim, and Eric were in Goldmuse. Gold Goldmuse. Um, uh, when I saw Elephants, when Tim still played for them, no, when we played, Brown Lasers played with Elephants, and Nathan and Eric showed up to the show, Nathan and I didn't speak a word to each other, this was the last time I saw him in person, it was kind of weird, because normally he'll at least just be like, oh, hey, what's up, man, and not, like, hold a grudge, this but is, he was- This is Nathan- Moore, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah Nathan yeah. Moore, um, my, my motorcar bandmates, <laughs> but we saw, yeah, and I, like, I talked to Eric- but it didn't talk at all to Nathan. But anyways, I, that's when I realized that Tim Dunn played drums for the, like, that the drummer from Elephants was the drummer from the Enemy Sea, which is a nine-song recording that Tim Schmieder from The Vehicle Birth did of them at Trans Am studio in D.C. in, like, 2004. The recording's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and Tim's drumming is awesome, and it's another one of those, like, at a point in my music path like was a cornerstone thing. The way that he plays drums, fucking amazing really? on this really Crazy. dumb dumb recording that's like Nathan's guitar's out of tune. Oh, uh, <laughs> Nathan's guitar is out of tune. Or no, Eric's guitar is out of tune and Nathan no no, it was the other way around. Cause Eric yeah, whatever. It's just it was really really neat that I realized that about Tim was like oh man like you're another person so and I think he had known of our, our motor car recordings whatever and had a similar sort of like oh man you're that, like that's you yeah yeah which in Motorcar too I tried to play drums like Finny that was my my whole gimmick because it was like well you're only used to playing you you know your drummer b- being your brother being your drummer so I'm like I'm Victor gonna try C. and play Finny like yes like just like yes. No, no, or yeah, I mean, even robots use pretty high energy, but, yeah. the, but the victory at sea, yeah, with like, dup, 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 just roll, just constantly rolling. Constantly rolling. rolling. And like the higher symbols and stuff too. I yeah, yeah. Really? You gotta have the symbols like this far up, so you've got to like either stand up to hit them. But or, him do, he would stand up and do like this with his arms crossed. Bam, bam, bam. Man, oh, it and I feel like I feel awesome, like when I man. went to see Victory at C I could see like the distaste in Mona's face being like, Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I never saw them with Christina Files, but I like that record the best. The very first Victory the, C, the C record is. Record? Yeah. 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 Dark is just the night, That's. I mean like, they became a totally different band. Like yeah. if there's any band that I, I think locally that I know and, and saw so many fucking times, from where they started to where they ended up, yeah. I mean I like honestly the Dave Norton era the best yeah Uh, but that the middle record with Finney Mm -hmm. I have a special place for that record I mean in particular the the Helms Victory at Sea split CD Mm -hmm. is like the best of both of those bands to me the Helms song Plants may not have brains, but at least they know how to take care of themselves, I think is the full title, which is also where we're like, yeah, I was was early to Don Cab at that point too, so like long song titles weren't, it was new to me when I read Helms Have a Long One, but like that song and The Smallest World in the World, and then... Uh, Victory at Sea had the Driver and Angel. and my band Archelon, driver. we covered the Driver. Yeah, oh, we did. Do, yeah, we actually did a lot of covers because I was like, oh shit, I actually don't have that much material. <laughs> and so, so it became that we would do a different cover every show. I fucking found one this morning that was us playing uh, "She's So Heavy" by the Beatles. Cool. Like it fucking which, st- eight which, minutes which, which of that. Swoor did. Like way back. Really? Yeah, Mona and Swoor. They, oh, they did. sick. A, they did a version on an EP. That's uh, sick. That's awesome. That so song good. is so fucked up. That was the thing that turned me on the Beatles. It was, it was the Millennium edition of uh, Rolling Stone magazine. They were like having all the different artists like give me your top five best songs, whatever. And it was um, fuck. I don't remember the other three. The number, the first three for Dave Grohl though was Cashmere, Pay to Come by Bad Brains, and She's So Heavy. And his like da- his ex- explanation for She's So Heavy. It was like it was just so cool to hear like the original boy band sound so fucked up, and like drugged out or so not even drugged out just like so fucked up and dark and I was like weird. Let me listen to this song and I listened and I was like what the fuck, man? Like who is this band? It's just arranged so strangely that song. It's crazy, but even like the flipping the, the pickup selector to, the, like, the tone pickup and then the treble pickup, that it's, like, it sounds brash during the... And a five-chord progression in 6-8. Like, just the math of that gives this weird, like, fucking menacing plotting and it building with the white noise and all that shit. Yeah, it was... Ah, oh, that was so cool. That and Slint, man. And Slint was, like... When Chris and I found Slint, it was Nirvana and Sebado was our bands, and it was the kids' soundtrack... That Good Morning It was because, yes, and it was because of Natural One, it was because of Lou Barlow and the folk implosion being on there, and that soundtrack has, couldn't have less to do with that fucking movie in retrospect. Like, the whole movie is fucking Beastie Boys. Like, that's all, it's all like hip-hop music going on in the movie, and it's like, yeah, and then it's a fucking folk implosion record, essentially, but yeah, Good Morning Captain, hearing Good Morning Captain, like, what the fuck, and like, realizing what... At the end, when it's a, <laughs> before a brick comes back yeah in with like, the drums, but before, but then it's five bars. And it's like on the fourth one, and it's not there, and then, boom, and like, oh, fuck, man. Like, you can really, that was it. Where I, like, I saw the blueprints from the whole thing. was like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Like, do whatever you want. If, Nothing you can, matters. If you but, can do it. But do it well. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. And that was, uh, remember Chunklet Magazine? I do. Pen Rawlings from Breadwinner had an article in there, an interview in there, which he's a very obscure band and he's an obscure guy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the standout things though, that he said in there was how he's like, "And I love Slint, but I fucking wish they never existed because of every other band that came as a result of, of Slint." Trying to be slant. yeah, of, of trying but to sound like poorly. Slint, and I'm like, doing uh, yeah, it that's like that's a really like kind of important mm-hmm. sentiment. Like you know, I almost feel that way. I feel that way about some bands. And I almost agree with that, but I'm like, also like, I am one of those bands. Okay. Like we, I mean, more so June of 44 was like our band that that we really started out trying to sound like when we moved away, when we're not trying to write pop songs, like Nirvana Sabato songs, when we're like, all right, let's write some weird shit. And our okay. like second song we ever wrote is called Compass Points. That is the last song on the thing we do with Kevin Micah. Mm-hmm. It's a nine minute long song. Like maybe it's only six on the Kevin record, but it's, like, the the definitive version of it is fucking nine-minute long, like, June of 44 song. It's it's shipping news June of 44. It's just that Jeff Mueller... That's what I was trying to do. That's it. Yeah, and yeah. it's that's it, man. I'd like... Their, that band's perfect. And made me not feel like a, a loser that I could play the trumpet. Like, fra- <laughs> fucking boom, because I was Fred. like, this is not my favorite trumpet playing, but it's super cool, and I fucking love this. I mean, he's not a good trumpet player. But it I fits know. really well yeah. with what... And you know, all he needs to do is hold like three notes, like, right. and then Which you've, got, I, you've added a whole new element to a to a, a math rock band, quote unquote, math yeah, rock, or whatever the fuck it is, indie rock band, whatever, post rock, post rock, the <laughs> fuck you want to call it, <laughs> we fucking then no it. other fucking band did, and then try and then everyone tried to emulate it. That's why you Brown Lasers considers themselves a blues band because yeah. otherwise, like, we did jokingly <coughs> go through the post psych. Uh, yeah. Fuck, hardcore, garage, threat. Like, you're right. Now we're a fucking blues band. Like, all these songs are heavy hearted and really fucking sad. Like, the first six songs Matt wrote about breaking up with Judy, then they got back together, and then he wrote six more songs about breaking up with Judy. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> so now we're in this world where, like, Matt hasn't been dating Judy and he's back in his original, like, sexless marriage to Dennis. <laughs> and. Th- which I gotta say, man, you now I have to give you shit about it. You recorded Matt and Dennis, the old married couple, but you didn't record the Bam Brown Lasers no, because no. I am like, <laughs> the, I am the the whatever I don't know that we really so, do yeah, have that know, Spinal like, Tap dynamic. I think of like Matt and I are the fire and ice, and Dennis is the lukewarm water <laughs> in between us. But the te- the, the temp it, te- yeah, you temper it down a little bit. Yeah, like but he but Dennis really is the one that's like helps us kind of keep it tethered in a way, almost based on like how he can play and what he can play, that we're like, oh yeah we're, you know, cause Matt and I just want to play Zeppelin and Cream, like mm-hmm. first two Zeppelin albums and all the Cream records like that's all we ever want to play, and Dennis is like, no no, remember Jesus Lizard and like, oh remember Shipping yeah. News, remember Tortoise like, that's, you know, mm-hmm. and he's that guy in me doing my best impression of John Bonham and Matt trying to like be Jimmy Page covering Jimi Hendrix with Bill Dolan like interfering yeah. and, and then, you know and the other guy giving, too. giving Miles Davis a hand job or something like that yeah yeah and Eddie Van Halen a lot of Eddie Van Halen <laughs> <laughs> he can hear it in Matt's two hand tapping fuck man yeah it's it's so exhausting <laughs> being in bands is so exhausting at this point now I'm 36 years old I'm so fucking tired from like playing two and a half hours a night once a week. Yeah. With like forty two year old guys. I was gonna say, yeah, you know, Dennis and Matt yeah. are forty two. So. Yeah. And yeah, and we're basically all like the same level of tired because I have the child which inevitably yeah. ages me, and I do physical labor that they don't exactly. Mm-hmm. Matt lifts and moves boxes and Dennis clicks a mouse and you know, not to denigrate what Dennis oh, does. Life. He does wonderful work for America's Test Kitchen. <laughs> Everyone go and check it out. <laughs> Dennis Noble, but <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's, it's... Are you happy in the place right now where you are in, in this band? It's the in best. In Space and Time and in Boston? It's and the best. Yeah, we, so, the yeah, the thing with the playing all the shows, we started playing all shows. Yeah. And it was, we, we started to record our record, like, I borrowed a, a Firewire board, mixing board, and a bunch of microphones, and then I had my laptop. Oh, and a... a Version of Logic, which is like garage band or mm-hmm. Pro Tools, whatever. Uh, and set all the shit up when we were across the hall from here now on the second floor in yep. Studio 52, and we recorded and we fucking we hated that room the whole entire time that we were in there. Like it never sounded right, we never felt right. It was we started on the third floor in Ghostbox Orchestra's room. Like that's where the band became a band, and then we moved down here to be like, let's take this more seriously. And the room that we're in now is great, but... Anyways, we started recording the shit in there, and I think it it did time out with, like, after my mother passed away last year, the end of April, and Matt was just like, we gotta just start playing shows, like, what? Fuck this, like, we'll play if it's a Friday night at O'Brien's, and, you know, like, no, let's just fucking yeah. take whatever and play whatever, so we had recorded... I think, like, two practices worth before that, and then we just played seven months in a row. Once a month, but we played seven shows in a row. And then that's when we recorded our shit. So the techni- the actual recordings of Kitty Cat, which the, the working title the entire time for that album was B is for the Blues. That's the name of that album. We, we still to ourselves refer to it as "Bees for the Blues." It's what the thing is called. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first song on it is called "Sex Slave." We changed it to "S's for Saxophone" to herald back to "Bees for the Blues" because Matt made this the fucking album. Like we, Matt and Dennis made a couple album cover ideas, yeah. and then Matt just as a joke slipped in there. A crusty picture of Garfield and wrote Kitty Cat on it and was like, we should just call it this. And then we were all like, that's so fucking stupid. We have to. Like, we have to. It's so dumb. And that's it. Like, that's the level that we take this band, the level of seriousness. But it is, this is absolutely the best band I've ever played in. It's the most proud I've ever been of music. It's the most thorough and the most, like, exciting and challenging. And we don't, like, we... Even when we fuck our way through it we don't because it's like so much work has gone into it. This is the only band that I don't get high or drink before we play. Like well you know, I stopped drinking now, but even when we were play, like I would have like two beers, that's all. And I couldn't smoke weed before we play. Whereas every other literally every other fucking band to their detriment, like the pre pre you know, practice ritual is two beers and a bowl. Like that's what it is. Get in the headspace and now we're now we're at zero. And now we can start. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, this one, I show up, like, after a long day of work, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm looking forward to 10 o'clock when I can take a rip because I have to keep my wits about me to pay half attention what the fuck is going on because Matt's really thorough, and he changes the shit, too. Like, it evolves and everything. Like, because he'll come, here's my guitar part, and here's the suggested arrangement, and Dennis comes up with a cool bass line, and then Matt's like, oh, it would sound cooler if I played this over that, and now we've lost the original thing, mm-hmm. but that's the evolution of yeah. it all anyway, so it's... But I have to, like, pay attention to it all. I can't just, like, Definitely sit there and mentality. get fucked up at band practice. Yeah. But it's awesome. I mean, it's, like, way more rewarding in that sort of a way. Um, well, it's nice to, to have done both, and you did one for so long, and now that you're, you know, older and have a kid and married and <coughs> mentality has changes, and perhaps that... and also just changes the way you look at all music probably in general but and then in yeah. particular what you make yeah you know well it's also crazy too because it seems i mean back at 24 years old in piles like it seems infinite and literally right now it seems so finite like i would be shocked if we where i play for another year and, and it's landers. just because shit happens. I don't know. Matt's like been whining about his fingers and his hands really hurting a lot. Yep. And he says, you know, jokingly but seriously, he's like, you know, this might be getting close to the end, boys. You know. And I say the same thing. Yeah. And I think we'll just keep playing until we're broken. But yeah. Even still. Till someone uh, just shows up and just says. Eh, yeah. This, this isn't happening. This isn't really doing it for me anymore. And that and that. But yeah, it after, is that especially thing. Especially after so- five years, because <laughs> both of our bands have been pretty much yeah the same uh you know the same time yeah you know yeah yeah we're contemporaries
1: (laughs) something like that right yeah (laughs) trying to use the big words
0: but yeah it's well so i guess my point is that it it's that thing where like i want to appreciate each of these band practices more and more because they're coming to a close there's definitely less ahead of me than there are behind me you know what i mean i know that's and now now i'm sad yeah, that's what it is. I, know, I mean, gonna, it, it, like I, I talk about like an ending, and then you say something like, "Well, there's more. There's less. There's more behind you. Yeah. You've done more, yep. and you're gonna end up doing less in the future." Fucking shit. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> but think about it. In six years, we're not gonna look any cooler. When I saw <laughs> no, no, that's, enough, that's When I thing. saw Chris Brokaw, and no, like disrespect to Chris Brokaw. He's great, right. and he's done a lot of great things. But he, it reminded me of. If Nathan Moore had any more traction and was just still like pounding out songs like really earnestly, but like in your 50s, and like I understand. I mean, Juliana Hatfield just put out a record that I just bought for my wife on vinyl because she's been listening to it nonstop of uh, Juliana Hatfield singing Olivia mm-hmm. Newton John songs. And it's fucking really good. And she recorded it at Q Division with local people. It's all super local because she still is a local working musician. Mm-hmm. And I-, I read the thing. I read a review for it and it was like her 15th fucking studio album like holy shit man there's so many that I haven't heard like you just keep going and you keep doing it and I want to support that but I also don't necessarily want to be that I don't want not with the earnestness of it I mean if the big sort of shift for me and it did time with meeting Bonnie but it was my 28th birthday and it was just there's so much mythos around 27 And that whole thing And then now I'm 28 So now I'm 28 in two months And I'm like So Kurt Cobain was like barely 24 When Nevermind broke And I'm thinking back to myself at 24 Only at that point four years ago and I'm like he's a fucking baby Kurt was a fucking baby Jimi Hendrix was a fucking baby They were children Yes. You're a 25 year old Playing guitar over the back of your head You're a fucking child like you didn't live shit. They saw Jim Morrison look like he was fucking forty-nine years old when he died. He's twenty-seven years old. So like his heyday, that guy's twenty-six years old. You know, like yeah. all of that. And it, it was just this whole thing. Where I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like this isn't. I don't like this. And and, and suddenly, you don't like being on the other side of it, or I don't know. It 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 just like lost all of the mystique to me. The whole thing, like the whole floor fell out from underneath me, and suddenly drum sets became table saws and I'm like I had been doing carpentry for five years at that point as a means to the ends of like being a drummer yeah and it was somewhere around there where I was like "Eh, I don't know I think maybe router bits are more exciting to me than then, you know, I don't know, guitar pedals or something. Yeah. End, Did it become mundane or was it, it just a means to an end? You were like, oh. well, it al- it also was the playing in the five bands at once and, and with the Junkie and then Nathan Moore and then, you know, and, and, and I mean, me thing. and Jordan were great, but it's also like, how much are you ever going to market a bass and drums band that's not Godhead Silo or fucking Lightning Bolt and even... Mm-hmm. And then, but even still, it was like, I'm not, I think everything that I'm doing is great, and I'm really proud of it all, but it's, this isn't, playing in Boston's fucking tough. I think Dave stopped, Dave Norton stopped being the booker at the Middle East. That's what I was going to say about seeing Bonanas and shit. I had, I was like really in my height of it all when Dave was booking the Middle East. So I had access to it for like a good push. I had six months probably where I just played there unfettered, and it was awesome, and it was, I felt like a grown-up doing my, you know, yeah, all on. of that shit, and then Dave stopped being able to book, he stopped booking there, and, and yeah, just other shit starting to peter out. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, i should probably think a little bit more about the future, because I guess that's the other point, too, is, like, there seems like there's still so much more to go to, like, be considering myself a kid when we made that Piles record or whatever. I'm like, I gotta get my shit together. Like, I don't want to be trying to... That's my only way that I know how to make money at forty-six years old is like keep trying to pedal records or what you know CDs or whatever. here stream stream my new record on Spotify or whatever shit. So it yeah I don't know I just got more interested in carpentry and craftsmanship and woodworking well, those, those and stuff like that. Those other people you talk about the 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 mystique of that those people burned out in the worst way. Right. Like I mean they fucking murdered themselves. More yes. Yeah. You know, like, for sure. All of them treated, he- treated themselves like shit. And you know, were that, that's what their end goal was. Yeah. Whatever happened to them in the past, whatever, or whatever was happening to them at the time that made them feel that that was the, the only way to do what they were doing. Yeah. But you got onto the other, other side of it. And I think most of us did obviously. And, uh, you burn out in the, the most, And and it sounds like fucking mundane, and like kind of you burn out in the most respected way. Like you realize that there are other things in your life that are as important, if not more important. And then, and you, I think you understand, or you realize why they are the way they are. Yeah, and then yeah, then everything kind of just finds its own level. You know, music still you still love it. Yeah, and I still like I have to do it. Yeah, but it was like even what all of this shit all collapsed. And Bonnie and I started dating. We started dating in uh, February of two thousand and ten, and the last Piles show was August of two thousand and ten. Because um, I just saw that and was like, "Wow, that's <laughs> that's a while ago." And that was my band. I mean, I've been out of that band longer than I was in that band now. Um, but that's definitely one of the bands that you're <clears throat> best known for. Yeah, yeah, that's that would be the one. Yeah. But it is. It's also like really frustrating to me too when. I have to clarify now. No, the plural. (laughs) The plural, not the singular. But, yeah, that, it... it, I don't know. I don't know. I... Being happy in a relationship is not, like, conducive to making music, necessarily. (laughs) Like, the sadness and the desolation, all that stuff is, like... I, I have always found when I'm my happiest is when I make my saddest music, and when I'm my saddest is when I make my happiest music. It's really weird the way that goes. And I've basically been in, like, I met my wife and knew right away, I'm like, I'm all set. If I don't fuck this up, I'm all set. Like, I'm good. You're in. I'm, go- I'm all done. I'm, I now know what the rest of this is. Mm-hmm. And I, like, started to disengage from all the other things and and made, uh she had two old cats and... We got to the point with one of them where she had an inflammatory bowel disease, um, and we had to put steroid cream in her ear and give her injections between her shoulders. This whole thing, and like my wife's deal when we first got together, like within a couple weeks, three weeks probably being together, she told me, uh, "If you're looking to be a dad, I probably can't have kids." I was told last year by the doctor, so I just want to let you know that that's not happening. I'm like, "Oh, that sucks. Okay, that's fine. I still, you're awesome, so that's fine." Yeah, that's. I wasn't necessarily looking forward to having kids, but now I know that that's out and whatever. It's fine. It's fine. So, so then the idea was that like I'm gonna be a cat dad, and then I made my song "Cat Dad," that like there's a video for it and everything. But it was like a very inside song about how yeah, it's just the rigors right, of being a cat father. Yeah, Yeah, sure. And like how I scoop father. your litter box and I clean up your piss and like oh, yeah, it's really dumb acoustic and then the weird like instrumental b-side and then i made an electric version of the same song and an electric version of the b-side and it's like all planned to be a seven it inch and all like this a stuff all joy song yeah pretty much <laughs> it's pretty silly yeah yeah Goofy. it's very yeah uh, not yeah it's not not quite the the level of substance of a prince Fantast, but <laughs> what is <laughs> it sure is a big digger it sure it's a big digger I- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Matt's guitar solo on that song is uh, uh, really so terrific. Crazy. Fucking guys, so good. There's too many bands. That's the thing. There are so many bands. Well, yeah, because glands, you know about glands? Uh, yeah. yeah. Glanz. Do you have those recordings? I, I think I did. They I had a, ta- a mix tape a mixtape of it had the challenger thing on yeah. it. It had the those the- five challenger songs then? Yeah. Because yep. I feel like I have the MP3s from the cassette you're talking about. Yeah. I had that. Uh, I think Scott made me a tape of all this shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The that, and then, like, Glanz weird, weird was, Phyllis thing. Yeah. Um, and Glans was uh, Mike. Mike Loga. Hutchins. Yeah, Loga, yeah. Glans was Mike Hutchins and Paul, and the story that I got... So I had made friends with Mike Hutchins, who lived in Maine. I don't even fucking remember how. Like, we got invited to go to a cookout that he was having, and me and... Paul and Nathan Moore went up there together and drank, I don't know, a case of beer Everything. in the van on the way up, <laughs> and that's how I ended up possessing Paul Joyce's Bonanaz base, was that he had it in his van, and I asked if I could borrow it while I was at... Paul, at Which one was that? Was that the black one? No, the 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 natural p base oh. that had, like, a 71 neck on it and it was a fucking shitty, like, warm all-parts body, whatever, that had been, like, Matt carved his name into the, the, the bat, the neck plate and there's weird green paint that dates it to having been, um, Nathan Cowings at some point and that whatever the dude Ian from Loga he also had. It's like a lot of people have had this thing, it has ended with me. And That's the end of it. Now yeah, it's in the museum. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Trevor Smith collection. <laughs> yeah. I ha- I mean it's still the same same strings from when Paul last played it. Like I oh, really yeah, you can't take those strings off. Oh god no. Yeah. No, it sounds great. It's fucking perfect. Smells like 15 years. Smells like Paul. Yeah, the inside of the case still smells like Paul. It's great. <laughs> it's funny how much he and I have become. He just smelled good like friends. a fucking Italian stuff all the time. Oh, that's <laughs> such a gross thing to smell like. Just oh, like all, just like with extra oil on. <sighs> he would like he would wake up in the morning and he would already smell like sweat. That's so gross. Because he used to stay on in the, the cou- on the couch in like the hottest room in the house. Because awesome. we always kept the windows closed. Yeah. That's so gross, so nasty. <laughs> so gross, so nasty. Well, so he and that, but when Paul, I don't know which when this was. Maybe it was when they were in Mass Art together or whatever. But glands mm-hmm. but it was Mike and Paul, and Paul would, Mike would play acoustic guitar, and Paul would, drum, hit lap drum parts, and then, it was that I think Keith like needed to record a band for a project or whatever, and they just went in and like, that recording of glands is the first time of Paul like playing drums for those songs. Like, I don't think they really ever practiced it. They just went in and did it as like, here's our songs that we've been recording, you know, working on, whatever. Like, all, their level of fucking talent that was pouring was say, out of those guys is absurd. Right? And Scott, too. I, it's rules that you talk to Scott. I Scott has the most impressive resume of drummers of anybody, of all of them. Because he played, yeah, Ken Bernard was in Strictly Business. Mm-hmm. Dale was in Physical? No. Physical, yes. Was he yeah, yep. Scott was in physical. Scott and Justin mm-hmm. and Dale. Uh and obviously and fucking Dan McCarthy played drums room and challenger, like, and, and pizza. pizza. <laughs> fucking pizza. Oh my god. <laughs> I was at that Don Cab show, the pizza didn't. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Good. We did. That, that was, was like funny. the first thing we talked about. I was like, so do you want to start there? <laughs> uh, and he's like yeah, like, yeah, sure. He's like, you know I'm an illustrator, right? We talk about that at the I end. I draw the walking we dead we Col- talked, uh, coloring books now. Yeah. Fucking rules, that shit is so cool. Those him and Dan. Well, that's the thing, like he's like a self made dude. Like yes. He For sure. He like went home to take care of his dad or stepdad and uh, just like Stop drinking. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this now, and I'm going to get really fucking good at it, and yeah. I'm going to make a living at it. He just set his mind to it, and I did it. Yeah. Same thing with, like, the bass. Like, I think he just was like, I want to play bass. Yeah. And then he got good at it, really fucking good at it, without no, no fucking lessons. No. You know, no, just, and, yeah, just, I mean. Just being around people that are, are like, freaks, I don't know, man. I don't, yeah, I mean, just, like, something is wrong in the water in... In Osterville. Yeah, like... like Cape, hey, Hyannis, like, just, like, the group of people that came out of there, I fucking hate them. Well, I that's, remember, that's yeah. disgusting. It's no, like, I remember like, Chris, Chris up telling Dan, like, and this was a, a early us trying to, like, be cool to Helms or whatever. Yeah. But he, like, told told Dan, it's like, oh, I really like that Dagobah record. Like, you guys play re- you play really cool. <laughs> Drums played, on that, and he goes, really good. Yeah, basically, and Dan was like, yeah, thanks. He goes, "That's before I knew how to play the drums." Yeah. Like that was Dan Stark's response and I'm like, "I still can't play the beginning of fucking um uh, whatever's the third song." Yeah. I don't know. Boom 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 boom. No, I can't fucking do that. And he's fucking 18. But whatever, 19 when they recorded think Doyle can to play it. Yeah, no, he doesn't get very far in it. It's yeah, you, like, get, you, yeah you, know, you get a the, little after, like bit. the second measure, you fuck yeah. up the hi hat. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. They're all very frustrating in that way. Like, and the f- and, I mean, and and like the littlest effort put in. Seriously though, just like and like, but expert delivery too. Yeah, like how the fuck is that? You're like showmen. They like you know they, they might who knows they probably were all super fucking hammered every time we saw them play, and it never mattered. That go by reunion show. Paul was hammered me and Paul my memory of that show other than that I got to play Middle East downstairs for probably like 200 people which is feels good that's good 600 capacity but 200 people is a lot of people downstairs you feel like yeah yeah. no that's full but Paul during that time uh, had his alter ego segue Abe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Paul Joyce had Did we bought. We about that. I don't remember. We Paul Joyce had bought a Segway, I believe, for either eighteen or twenty three hundred dollars. Like it was some amount that in two thousand and seven was absurd for a fucking independent contractor painter to buy on this dumb new technology. Bought a Segway and bought an Abraham Lincoln outfit, like, like full a, blown, complete with the beard, the top hat, the vest, the the whole bit, and then just in what in like white tape stuck on his back Segway Abe and he would just there's videos on YouTube of You'll him just leaning forward and just going by it's like a 13 second video of somebody like holy shit holy shit there he goes he's like he's like, he's uh, like predates Keytar like, Bear man yeah it's like it's like a Boston you know like uh, the Keytar or like yeah. the people who like do the fucking like the, the tours like the freedom tours like that yeah, says yeah. Benjamin Franklin but oh yeah yeah like yeah that kind of shit it was like an art pro it was like an yeah. art project but done in public. So, Paul had his Segway in his van at that Dagobot show, and we were like... <laughs> we drove back and going, forth on it, yeah. We were going around in the back parking lot and that thing, but like handing a bottle of Smirnoff back and forth. First so the last fucking, time I've ever ridden a Segway. Me too. And, <laughs> yeah, and the last time I ever drank, like, straight vodka out of a bottle. And it's like, no, this the is Middle not East, the way. Like the Middle East back parking lot. The little teeny one yeah, up yeah, yeah, in the back. Dirt, so, dirt parking lot. Yeah, so he was garbage when they finally played. And Helms and Dagobah played back to back. Like, Dan played for, you know, an hour and a half that night of very hard drumming. Yeah. Dan's awesome. He's so good, too. I mean, he's another one that's... And he doesn't play anymore. And, no. also, and then, uh, and in addition, he's like a great, amazing graphic artist. Great, great shit. Yeah, I mean, I have... Who's made I, a career just doing that. That started from fucking concert posters that yeah. I'll collect. And I have so much old Dan artwork and I, current Dan artwork. And I have, I mean, at least six years worth of the uh, Print of the Month Club. Mm-hmm. Like two, in tubes waiting, you know. I'll never have. I need an, like an art gallery and probably ten thousand dollars to frame it all. Cause no, not a single thing is eighteen by twenty four. Yeah, it's yeah. all like and all eleven and three quarters sentences. by thirty nine and an eighth. Like why? Why, Dan? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Go get it framed. Make my shit uh, look good. Oh, uh, so uh, it's so good. Well, it's really good. Yeah, on that note, though, now that we just spooched all over Tape uh, <laughs> uh, I think we got what we need. You happy? No, no, no. Is there anything you missed that you want to mention? I think so. Yeah? Now, uh-huh. Yeah, now I'm feeling like, but I missed out on this whole part, this whole important part of my, no, there's really nothing. It's been, yeah, it's been a lot of, uh, it was a lot of anxiety for me to like think about a lot of this stuff leading up to talking to you just because it was like, all, like all of it, I don't know. I didn't want to like come out, come out like shit talking anybody, but I also don't want to. Uh, there's a certain but, on all of these, with the exception of maybe one, there has been a little shit talking, but it's it's all I think in good fun, and it's also twenty years removed or something like that. Yeah, so right. It's like whatever. Well, know. I just don't want to like paint people know who PR. they are. Yeah, I know, I, no, I know. Not surprised. No, I don't want to paint the wrong picture of anybody because yeah. it's all like, but also I mean, I will. I will say to Nathan Moore's face that like he's he's one of my biggest regrets musically oh, Jesus. because it's so, because it's some of the greatest music I've ever fucking made with him. The song that we have, me and Nathan, has a song called Spaghetti Western. That's wow. like hands down my favorite bass line that I ever came up with ever. And it's like the recording of it is flaw—it's just a four track, but the recording is flawless. Like we would have those times, you know what it is when it's like a band would try to re-record something that was gold already and it's, Did, it's never the same the band Night Rally Pile. when Piles oh. played a lot we played it was like Piles and Clickers and Tristan Dacuna and Night Rally and Calumet Hecla hopefully um, I'm gonna be I'm talking to those guys soon good yeah Ernie yeah, yeah Ernie and Mike Ernie just emailed me back awesome oh my god I can't wait to hear Ernie I love Ernie he's yeah. one of the fucking best people in the whole wide world I wanna and do some, Ernie and, and Gintz together together? Yeah. yeah I think that would be good Oh, yeah, that would be good. Oh, man. But it was just so much fun, like, those days of playing with them. Yeah, I mean, they're why we we would book the residencies and shit. Tristan Acuna. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, I was getting, just to finish a little shit-talking, this came as off a tangent about I hope I didn't shit-talk any bands. Now I'm going to shit-talk Night Rally. Sure. The, well, they made their first EP. It was, like, four songs. Then they made the split 12-inch with Clickers. There was three songs of them and four songs of the Clickers on a record. And then they got, si- I think they got signed, and then they went to New York and recorded and essentially re-recorded all seven or six of the seven songs from the previous thing at a proper studio and five new songs or whatever. And I was, like, so turned off by re-recording them at, like, a, you know, a Strokes level of audio fidelity mm-hmm. versus, like, Farhad had made these fucking amazing recordings. Farhad from Night Rallies who recorded piles. He came to our practice space in Selfie. I had, tr- like, broken cymbals and an- old drum heads, and he set up probably, like, 15 grand worth of gear on all of our shit in our practice space, half the size of this. Like, there's that much bleed all over the whole thing. It got, like, incredible. Our record- I mean, that's a really, really nice recording mm-hmm. um, for a loud, fucked-up band that we were. Uh, but, like, Farhad had an incredible sound and the Night Rally shit sound incredible Is the Clickers recordings he made like everything he made sounded fucking awesome and that Night Rally record sounds like crap to me because it's like removed of all the the struggle or whatever I don't know like no, I don't get what you're saying yeah, yeah making it instead of like yeah we have like two weeks in a fancy studio and like take our time and let's really dial in that guitar tone and like that shit's. Ne-. I mean I listened to an interview with Jack White where he goes on and on and on about how restriction is like your best friend as a musician sure and he's like yeah you know early White Stripes records is like we only have this much time and we only have this much tape and we just need to get it done and you know it is the best stuff when you just bust that out so yeah I mean what I'm getting at is Nathan and I had really great music that we recorded together oh this was the end of my rant about goddamn Nathan Moore too we stopped being <laughs> friends he fucking moves back here and all this shit and he gets robots back together oh this was like what couple two, years two five, years ago maybe yeah yeah probably maybe three two yeah Jesus anyways he gets robots back together aka gets two other huh was it that fucking long ago yeah god mm-hmm. fuck that he gets two other another guitar player mm-hmm. and Tim Walsh um, from Pedro the Lion I think oh played yeah played bass and recorded it hmm. and Finney playing drums again lo and behold out of those eleven songs let's say there are five of them are fucking motor car songs mm-hmm. five of them like, wow. songs that I wrote bass lines to and wrote drum parts for. And it's Finney playing, obviously, just whatever Finney would play. Yeah. Which, now with some time removed from it, and I, I heard them, again, I don't know, in the past two months or whatever, and was like, Finney's playing the correct drums for what is this song. Yeah. But I I thought that was a part of what was interesting with me and Nathan, is like, I wouldn't play... I was trying to do an impression of Finney, but I wouldn't play like Finney. I would play like me. Yeah. Just fucking dum-dum bashing and like weird weird accents and shit like that. So to hear Finny, you know, like doing his Finny thing and it's like, yeah Straight it's great. Works. But it's also like this—that's our fucking song. Those are our songs. We arranged them together. We wrote the parts together. Like you can't, you can't. But also it's like, what do I fucking do? Yeah. Oh, Nobody hears this music, and I'm really upset that no, not, that nobody's giving me the credit that nobody deserves. Like no, one, like no one cared that Robots got back together. Like no, I I went and saw them when they played. Right. But I was like I'm doing this just for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know. I, yeah. You know that that's why I was there. And and it was I, there. And like Doyle was there. I think you went. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No, I actively protested. No, I Dale care. was there. And yeah. that's when yeah Matt and Dale had like a weird where he's just like. But he not like me. Like Dale, like was weird and cold. I think Dale was probably early in his sobriety, and maybe still a little bit awkward. Cause that's a whole thing too. Dude, I'm like a year and a half not drinking now, and it's it's a weird it's a weird world sometimes. Most of the time it's not, but like interacting with people sometimes. People that you've interacted you know with other your ways. whole life drunk or yeah drinking, and then suddenly you're the sober one. And you're like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that. That's why yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't bother. It's, but it's been good. You just it, keep it under wraps. You yeah, know, just, you know, which I can't. That's why it's just over. No, no, like yeah. drinking. You know. Just yeah. Keep the drinking under wraps. Just you know. Yeah, yeah. No, you know. But anyways, no, no. I think now that I just burned Nathan one last time, I think that's all that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nathan. I it, he's well, absolutely what, one of the greats that I got to play with, and it's just such a fucking drag that it it all has this like. Cloud of Stigma. fucking murk to it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, but most, all of them do. It's like every band is like being in a relationship. It's and those it are girlfriends. All, it all fucking burns at the end. Like everything gets like, you know, relationships get tested. Yeah. You know, friendships get fucking put through the ringer. Well, I was I was a slut for those times and I was playing in five bands and I was sleeping with five different bands at that time. And I really am just a one one man band or one band man good and a one man band I've been recording my own music the whole entire time too which has yeah. been great and that's that was my safety out of after my mother passed away was that I was just like oh I should just fucking make songs about this it's like it's my art that I actually know how to do I should just do that like just for myself but just make a song when the thing is bugging me just make a song about it who gives a shit like it's a dumb stupid human trick That when I was upset about, like, cleaning out the... Or sad after cleaning out the garage. And then I grabbed the guitar and made a song. I was like, well, this one's called Cleaning the Garage. And it's the song from that time. And, like, when I hear it, it puts me right back there. In a way that makes me feel... Like, all of that stuff makes me feel the feeling that I had back then. And that's sort of what's so important. That's why I, like, need to archive all of this shit. And, like, keep it all. Because... It's it's funny the access that I've been for some people back to it because they're like, oh shit, you have that robot session? Like, yeah, yeah I have the the they one might, in between. They, and they might not even have that thing. Right. Or like, oh I haven't heard that in years yeah. or whatever. Like Paul sent me, he sent me a Dagobah four-track <laughs> cassette from ninety-three of like young young Dagobah, like, Hey, here's the song Cockbroker. <laughs> and it's fucking awesome but like this sounds horrible and yeah. it's also like they're like young teenage kids like making stupid songs mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't know so all it's all it's all to say I'm trying my best desperately to hold on to my memories and my feelings because they're all just like withering away as I get older and more tired and more trying to focus on what my asshole kid gives a shit about instead of what I give a shit about it's like yeah you smile like you're my do-over this is my chance to like feel like I did good at life or something. That like, that you won't have annoying times. And she still has annoying times. It's all fucking hopeless. Nothing matters. Stuff. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters. That's the name of the new Brown Laser song. Nothing matters. Oh, that's that's definitely the subtitles of this, of this podcast. None yeah. of this matters. Yeah. No, it's great. no one gives a shit. No. But the thing is that that's, and that you've encapsulated again. And I think doing this, how many times we've done it. Yeah everyone gets this point in the, I think in the podcast and goes you know what I'm glad I'm remembering this shit again yeah and that's, that, that's the whole purpose yeah and, and I'm, I'm glad I haven't forgotten and I thought I did forget about it yeah and then you're like oh shit there it is oh. I, it's exactly how I, I thought it was and it might be tinged with some regret and some fucking yeah, booze or even and yeah, whatever. But or even the foresight, though, looking back on some stuff, or not for hindsight, rather, like looking back on some stuff and feeling like a total dipshit. Where it's like, and I was firm on my point that like I was in the right, mm-hmm. that that the time when so the fourth of our our pile's tour that was the end of it all, and like really to me, what was the straw that was like this band is done, was that we went to New York and I was all like, Chris and I were very much the same page all the time about playing music and what our goals were and everything and tour was a big fucking deal like we wanted a two-week tour we want to just go be away from everybody and everything and go be on tour so the whole idea of like going to new york was awesome like we're gonna go fucking play in new york we're gonna go sleep on somebody's floor like we're gonna go fucking party until we're dead it's gonna be awesome and he's like yeah i rented a hotel room for me and alina and i'm like wait what? <laughs> <laughs> on top of <laughs> what but then also I rented a hotel room for me and Alina, not you can sleep on the couch or the floor, which is like, well, that's not my narrative anyways. But it was also like, I'm not going to be a part of the New York experience. I'll see you at the show. And I'm like, fuck. And also like they've been together for over 10 years at that point. Like I get this is a good opportunity, good excuse to like go dick around in New York and go have a fun time with your loved one. But I was also like, this is us. like. Chris, I'm your girlfriend. I'm the one that fucking matters to you, not her. Stop it. And, and it really was. And I was just like, we're, this isn't, we're not doing this the way we're supposed to be doing this. This isn't right. And also, Navita's completely, like, made us fucking implode on ourselves because he's just, like, a flake and unreliable and really fucking talented, which is even worse than the whole thing. At least if he was, like, a 70% bass player or guitar player or whatever, it would be like, well, at least he sucks. You know, but it's like he's so fucking good, and our chemistry was so fucking good that it was just, and we never found anybody ever to replace him. And that was like the the uh, the other part of why we're like we have to just wrap it up. There is nobody. We got Mike to come and play bass for us for our last show, and it was like pulling teeth to get it to happen. And and it was just like, yeah, we let's stop being a band. Let's just stop being a band. Didn't you knew. And it was, you know, it it was the first. It was really like the only one that we kind of like peacefully all called it quits and was like instead of like fuck you man oh, fuck you these are my songs like no those are my you know it's none of that it's just like we're all done good luck pile which then flipping through Newberry Comics oh pile live at Third Man Records well fuck me like cool I'm, I hope Jack White did a nice job recording you guys you butts <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Now, 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 now it's you, salty. Now you have Now you burned all. All right, Kyle.